just the fact that they believe that he's the yeah, best coach 100%, is, yeah, is yeah. unbelievably powerful. Then if the fact that he is as well, like that's the buy-in that sometimes coaches, if there's any bit of doubt, they don't get that. Subscribe to the Football Pod wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. against Armband he's got Seamus Coleman in front of him he plays it to Rabio. Rabio just pulls the ball back around Coleman then tries to play it across but gives it away to Cullen Cullen's giving it away though to Pavel and he has a shot and it comes off the pot, top of the crossbar into the back of the net and that's a dreadful mistake on the edge of the Irish box Pavard like an assassin is in there to punish Ireland and he scored the first goal of the night in the 50th minute yeah, the only goal of the night it turned out. Uh, uh, Devo Stephen Doyle on commentary there for the game last night. Uh, it's fine margins. Super Magnon save denies Ireland a deserved draw is the back of the mail. Positives again, but no points. Magnon's stunning save denies Collins a late equaliser after Pavard's superb strike. Glove hurts. Tab of the morning to you. Mm. Wonder save denies Irish a draw as France edge thriller. And Nathan Collins talking to himself for about 10 minutes afterwards, just saying the same thing again and again and again and again. <laughs> Pavard done by Magic Mike save a killer for Kenny. Do you get the Magic Mike reference? Uh, nice, like it. Yeah, yeah good. Well, Mignon, by the way, speaking to some uh, French speakers before the game yesterday, assured me. As in filet mignon. Filet. Mignon. Oh, no. Oh, no. Get camera Mignon. Mignon. <laughs> but it's M A Mignon. Oh. I don't know. Would you I, be, you I, know that's what our, our French. What would fluent French speakers know about the French language? Yeah, exactly. well, our, our, our to Jerry's superior knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 that's you, hard. Yeah. you studied European languages, did you? That's Kenny Cunningham's voice there. Yes, I, did, I did get an A in my French. Uh, leaving Sir Kenny, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Magic Mike, you be a Magic Mike fan, are you? And they won when they were still giving them out. That's how old I am. Uh, yeah, the Magic Mike reference went over my head. Uh, Good. <laughs> Nearly Nathan as well, yeah. Nearly Nathan. Mignon's miracle save denies gallant Ireland a point. Just for you, Kenny. I'm I'm sop a sop to uh, to the mob. French woe for Ireland. Pavard strike enough to deny Kenny's men after battling effort. Uh, so let's be having 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number. Uh, your views. What camp are you in before? What camp are you in now? Are, or can we not just analyse the game and on, on its own merits there, uh, Bill? We're going to try to anyway. Uh, Kenny, what did you make of it? Good morning to you first, how are you? Yeah, all good. All good, thanks. What did you make of it? Oh, do you want to be more specific or is that it? Just a well, it, bland general you question. positive or, or negative? No, you, you fill in what you want. You say it's a bland general question, but sometimes you've got to, like, I'm going to listen to what you say and then... <laughs> is that why you're paid the big books, is it? Is that it? Is that the best you can come up with? <laughs> Boom, straight in. Um... Yeah, I enjoyed a lot of aspects of the performance, but probably that little bit of frustration like everybody else at the end of it. bit of pride in terms of the overall uh, uh, performance. I understood how we how we set up. I thought, we were, um, thought the defensive structure was really solid, very sound, held up really well against a very talented uh, uh, French team. Yeah, but just that little bit of frustration in terms of the nature of the goal, really how we gave it up. I can understand it. It'd be an easy thing to say, oh, Josh, wouldn't he just, you know, hoof it up the pitch? Exactly what I would have done uh, in, that, in, in, that, in that situation. 
But of course, we're looking to play a different way under Stephen. You know, we're looking to be a little bit more progressive with our passing and uh, you know work away up the pitch a little bit. And it was just a misjudgment on his part. You could tell what he was trying to do. Just pop the ball to Jason Knight and kind of work away up the pitch, which we had to do because we only played one central striker last night, which might have been a slight surprise. All the chat during the week was who's going to play up front, yeah. with Evan Ferguson. What's going to be the the uh, the preferred striking partnership? Is it going to be Obafemi? Who's going to pace in behind? Um, you know, will it be Ogbené? Did he do enough in his cameo against Lafia? So it was all about that striking partnership up front, uh, and we didn't see that. Uh, surprised us a little bit, maybe in terms of throwing Ogbené off the right. So we had a flat midfield four, really, our possession of football, and Evan Ferguson kind of as a lone central striker, and I understood it against the French if you play with two up front and, you, and a narrow three in midfield you kind of open yourself up a little bit down yeah. the sides I mean now the quality the French have down the sides so Jason Knight on the left Chidozi Bonnie on the right our possession doubled up with Matt Dartley and Seamus Coleman nullified the threat of their wingers uh, Mbappe was like I don't know who that imposter was in wearing Mbappe's jersey last night but yeah he had an awful night bad game wasn't it for him just yeah. anonymous yeah, dreadful to be honest with you. Like number of the fe- French players, in all uh, in all honesty, never turned up. Actually, they gave the type of performance that we were hoping for. There was a set, there was an argument in terms of coming off the back of the Dutch uh, game. Uh, maybe there might be a little bit of a drop off collectively in terms of the French for, uh, performance, focus, concentration wouldn't quite be there. Wouldn't be at the level they were against the Dutch, and that's probably how it panned out. Now we can argue about how well we played. Absolutely right, but. They were way off at last night. A kind of window of opportunity I felt presented itself and we very nearly took it. And that's the kind of uh, frustration. Stead in the game for, for long periods. Conceded the goal, but the good thing when we conceded the goal, heads didn't drop. Concentration levels were still good. You know, we stayed in the game and came on strong with a couple of substitutions from the manager kind of laid on a push for the equaliser and very nearly got it. And if we had of, I think we could, we could have said with some justification, we'd earned it. And I think that would have been fair. But at the same time, having lost the game 1-0, can't quite bring myself to, to say that we was robbed No, in terms of having lost the game. But, so that, when that, people talk about fine margins, which I understand, but as you say, that would be about right. That 1-0 quite easily could have turned to 2-3, 4-0. Do you know, with any other team, you can drop the heads, let France get, get back in the game and properly, properly kill us off. But the fact that Ireland pushed on and nearly got the point. That's that's hugely positive, isn't it? Because that, that yeah, quite it easily positive. could go to three. Yeah, there were po- po- uh, positives from the front, but the, before, the positives for me really came from our defensive structure. Mm. Uh, and there's been times previously, uh, under previous managers, where I felt we've looked very open and a little bit, little bit shoddy out of possession. You know, no real cohesion in terms of what we were doing, defensive organisation. That wasn't the case last night. Very quickly, early on, you could see Chidozio Benny had been asked to play play off the right side and very quickly looked at it and thought yeah I can see this we look really solid here you know they're not going to they're not going to punch through us very easily tonight but just felt as if in terms of working our, our way up the pitch and I, talk, I spoke about quick counter-attacking against the French if we can pinch it off and even in our own half the pitch we'd have a real opportunity to hurt them counter-attack with Evan Ferguson and a another yeah. up the pitch we'd have two targets uh, Jared to hit when we won the ball back 
put a ball over the side, real pace with uh, Obafemi and potentially Ogbené in behind. But we didn't quite see that because of uh, how deep, how deeply we defended. Nevin Ferguson was our only really target when we won the ball back. Chidozio Belli done great trying to join in from that right-hand side, but it's different. He was coming from a deeper position in, mid, in, in midfield. I mean, there was one chance first half. We played the ball over the top, and if you remember, to Evan Ferguson, it was a clip ball over the top of the inside left channel. And he, he raced down the side, 1v1 uh, Upa Meccano, I think it was. And he swiveled straight away and put a cross into the box. Mm. It was a great cross. No one there. Yeah, it was yeah. nobody there. Yeah. And it was Chidozi. Bonnie was the one trying to get there from a kind of deeper position. But of course, if he'd have been starting higher up the pitch alongside him, he's probably coming on to that, maybe getting his head onto it. But so it's the yin and the yang, isn't it? You know, for what you gain in terms of the defensive solidity, you lose a little bit in terms of getting maybe a bit of traction at times in the opposition half the pitch. But I could understand it, and I thought it was a smart move. As soon as I saw it, I thought, I wasn't scratching my head thinking, oh, what are we doing here? We're not playing with the front two. Chiodosi off the right. I understood it totally because of the qualities which the French have. So there was a plan there in place, and it very nearly paid off for us. So close. Yeah. Like, you've, you've, you've got to look at this in, in the round with the 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 journey that the team has been on to use that terrible phrase the journey that the team has been on from like being able to pull off one-off performances against Portugal for example I was just chatting with Phil about this outside the Portugal game was a bit of an island right because either side of it we performed badly mm. but we were capable of putting in a big one-off performance this didn't feel like it was just a big one-off performance we could be completely wrong right mm. and so that would be borne out over the course of the rest of the group this is the first of the qualifiers but if we were to build on this the reason that I think we can build on this is that everybody was doing a job that they knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing. We've played this way, uh, like, with the flexibility of, of Chidozi off the right, right? Mm. But we've played this way. This is our style now. And everybody was fit and everybody showed up. There's a bit of depth now as well. If if certain players are injured, we might be able to play this way again. I thought it was interesting that Collins had his best game, uh, like, much better than the Latvia game. He was stepping into midfield when he needed to. And I, I can see that this will, if this is our basis, then everything's going to be okay. If this is a one-off where we've put in a massive collective performance mm. because it is France, then it's up to the performances against Greece. And that, that's the bit, that's the unknown unknown in all this. Yeah, but, yeah I'll be interested. Well, I, I don't think we'll play this way against Greece. Well, I hope not, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, Greece will present their own challenges and they're not playing at the level of this uh, French team so I'm sure uh, Stephen and the coaching staff will be looking at the Greece game albeit it's away from home and the temptation will to be just to tweak things a little bit I don't think the back five will change that's pretty much set in stone I agree with your back three look comfortable to get more comfortable in each other's skin I think that back three of Collins uh, Egan and Darichet very solid again uh, last night Shames I thought done great uh, we'll never know if Calum had to be fit maybe if those wing back positions would have changed but I was always a fan of playing Shames in that kind of uh, right back position last night just as experienced kind of defensive noose up against Mbappe he's also playing really well at the moment like he's, he's fit yeah he is fit but you probably look at Shames in probably his best position in that system that we're playing is probably right side of a three he went in there for the last 15-20 minutes and looked very comfortable there as well but he was smart against Mbappe he got, he got up against him didn't allow him to turn probably the only time Mbappe did in the first half he opened his body up he ran at Shames he knocked the pass I don't know if you remember it but it was great defending 
game. It was a, a real cameo why it was a smart decision to put Seamus there because he fronted Seamus uh, up. Seamus gave himself a three yards head start, which is all you can do. Like You can't drop five, ten, five, ten yards off yeah. you, you drive on your inside. But he knocked the pass Seamus straight away, took a big touch, uh, knocked the pass him. Seamus kind of bumped him after a couple of yards, kind of bumped mm. into him, knocked him off balance. And when he tried to cut across Seamus, he dived in and made a great uh, well-timed tackle giveaway at corner kick. So that's what I'm talking about, kind of that kind of intelligence in 1v1 situations. That's why it was a smart move to play uh, Seamus over there. So that's all, that back, back five unit for me is great. looks solid. Omobama Diali will come into the equation there. I think if he gets a bit more uh, game mm-hmm. time, I doubt it might come back into the equation, a kind of uh, left wing back. But it's that midfield and front there for me, which is going to be key. So if you're saying to me like that a Greece game, you're saying was nothing can change that blanket midfield for and lone central strike for me I'm thinking no I, I, I think I think we can tinker I, with things yeah. for me can we think about that front two can we think about getting Ogbené yeah. in that central striking position up alongside Ferguson and maybe in that midfield three is there an argument for getting Smallbone in there a bit more of a creative edge in there at the expense of either maybe Jason or Knight for that particular game Give, gives you a little bit more of a uh, a player in midfield, he play a bit more possession based. You know, maybe uh, gain control a little bit more in that central area. So th- those things for me are kind of interesting going forward, and they're going to be important. Those kind of key tactical decisions. What about Jason Malumbi's performance? Like, there was the the moment early on where he tried to get the crowd g'd up. Did he win a throw in or something? Maybe was it? I or think he got, in a corner. He, he, or made, he made a run back. That was, was it. A, Sorry, he tackled. Yeah, there was a counter attack. Yeah. you know, it was like oh, fans are going to counter attack. This is going to be slightly to fair post. We've got to run it. Ah, we've seen it a million times. It's brilliant. His performance um, was just yeah. He done, he done great. Yeah, but we're going to need we're going to need more than that. Jerry's talking about it's a, it's, a, it's a new day. We're playing it a different way. Well, we didn't play that way uh, last night, and I understand why we didn't. There was an individual. Sorry, the qualities. With, just, just to interrupt, right? Because. One of our chances, uh, I think it's the Jason Knight chance in the second half, comes from us being under intense pressure in yeah. in our own penalty area, and we Brilliant. were we were super calm. I think that's different. I do think that's a significant no, absolutely. change. Absolutely, yeah, so we, yeah. we, we are. There is an evolution. It's not finished, I would say, but that's like under any of our managers, I would yeah. say. Uh, ever yeah. the the advice is to the keeper you hoof that you yeah. you you bang that long and we'll have two yeah. big lads up front who are going to hold it up and, and wait for the cavalry to arrive mm. but we didn't do that and we created a chance off the back foot so I do think there's been an, a, like a subtle evolution that's a, ge- ge- oh, it was more than a subtle generally speaking in terms of how the manager uh, Steve is looking for the team to play absolutely I think there's been a, a big a big sea change in terms of how we're looking to play but that wasn't evident last night but I understand it in terms of the nature of the performance last night, in terms of who we were up against, so was it not evident last night? Is that not is that not evidence that like we were passing it out from the back, even under pressure, and it did create a chance for us? Is that not evidence that yeah. it, it was? We we did see it last night. Yeah, in that instance, in terms of playing out from the back, did we squeeze to the halfway line and and shell at sixty yards? No, we didn't. We were we were we were looking to play it, but. By, by nature how we set up the team last night it's always gonna, it was all, for me it was always going to be difficult for us to gain a significant amount of possession of the football particularly high up the pitch and the opposition half the pitch we couldn't get a foothold up there couldn't really get any sustained pressure yeah. on the French uh, goal for any real period maybe until the last maybe 10-15 uh, minutes uh, of that the game that was never going to happen really was it? 
Sustained pressure. Uh, no, it was it was never going to be easy, and it certainly was uh, it was never going to happen. Maybe in terms of how we set up. For me, as soon as we sacrificed that one central striker, it made it, made it probably a little bit more difficult. But like I said, I, I could understand it. I can understand the uh, the, co- the conversation between manager and coach and staff during the week. How are we going to strike that balance between that uh, defensive slitty and and also offering an attacking threat? So yeah, I could understand that totally. You're right that uh, playing out from the back second half that was absolutely phenomenal. But of course, by trying to play out on that on the edge of the box, yeah, they led to us conceding yeah. the goal. Yeah. So that's the kind of risk and the yeah. and and the reward. Yeah, but nobody's complaining generally. I think in terms of how we're looking to play, and I certainly uh, wasn't complaining about the uh, the setup last night. I understand we got per- uh, very close to getting a result of draw last night. Uh, but for me, different challenges ahead. The, the Greece game presents a different challenge. I'll be fascinated to see any kind of those little modifications which they make for that game because I think we'll have to approach that game slightly differently and obviously a lot more importance attached to that game now off the back. We haven't got a point last night. You just feel psychologically important. We, we take something from that game. I think that'll... Now be a body blow for to go over there, get turned over by Greece. You know, no points from six from our first two games. You know, I wouldn't say it's a long road back. It's early in the group. Don't get me wrong, but this is it. Every game of international football pressure comes with yeah. every single game. Yeah, and, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Why we, that's why we're that's, that's what, why we're here. That's what. Yeah, you play the game. The lads will be loving. I understand. I understand that. But that's that's it. So that's for me. The different set of challenges in the next game, and maybe we just might have to tweak tweak things in terms of our setup. But yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I'm very heartened by the performance of the of the players last night. I think the fans bought into it. Wasn't like rocking. Lads, I was there. It wasn't rocking from the first minute to the last. Not a huge amount of going out. I thought it was rocking. It was rocking at the start, and then it's like, oof, this is so tense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then last ten minutes, it came back exactly. Again. But I think the fans kind of understood. People who know their football had a look and said, "Yeah, yeah, I can see what we're doing here." You know, and at times they tried to get up and get behind the team. The lads kind of mm. encouraged that. That was a small indication. The players trying to get the fans up. Come on, here yeah. we. I yeah. like that. I like that. I think there's a big connection between the team oh, and, and the and the fans. Gavin Mizunu was very good. Like he, he took the sting out of the game at the times where he needed to. And I know, like we kind of touched on, Quiven Keller's performance against Latvia wasn't the best, but he really stamped his authority in that number one jersey. Like Quiven's a brilliant number two to have. Let's be honest. But Mizunu's performance, I thought last night was pretty good. Yeah, very assured. Didn't have a huge amount of what he did. Very competent. I thought actually the chance they had first half France, the only chance the ball played in behind. Was it the ping pong one or was it the long shot? The, no, it was the Mook McCann played the ball over the top of Wani, made that diagonal run across uh, oh, yeah, Matt Darley in behind yeah. um, Darrell. Uh, yeah. And obviously he came out initially which made him have the touch side but he didn't totally commit himself. He put the brakes on. Seeing keepers come out there and just clear the player out, you know, dive at the feet and give away a penalty. He didn't show the a bit of composure Steadens he pushed him to the side you know although he didn't make a save it was actually kind of great goalkeeping and then there was a couple of saves second half the Abbey save you'd expect him to make and a smart save from Rabiot really caught his shot he got a good hand on it you know came for crosses kicking was solid you know what I mean nothing nervy about his distribution so yeah yeah it was a rock solid uh, display from him and good individual performances all over the pitch um, yeah, did it, did it make a save in the Griezmann header or did it just go wide? It just went wide, it went wide. Yeah, there was no, um, wasn't a target. Uh, I, I thought like when you so there was there was a ball from Collins to Ferguson and um, I, I don't think he, I don't think he got it in the end of it, but it was close enough. And you're like, it's a 21 year old, to an 18 year old, maybe 21 year old goalkeeper. Like, yeah. this is the bones of a team now for the next decade, and I'm I'm confident that they're all going to develop. I'm confident that they're 
that they're playing or they're going to be capable of playing whoever the manager is they're going to be capable of playing whatever style is required of them because they have the skill sets to be expressive with the ball they're not scared of the ball they're not like oh yeah you know, undoubtedly it, like, oh, there's real talent there's real talent there and you're right I'm excited the young talent as well I think people really kind of gravitate towards that I think the, the, uh, our supporters can uh, see that but I suppose ultimately we're all the same supporters and even the players are like they'll be hungry for some kind of uh, so success a win yeah, uh, yeah something to yeah. rally the crowd and get everybody behind because it, it, yeah, it's not a, a win. Yeah. There. yeah but ultimately you want to play in the biggest stage of all you want to qualify for the major championships that's what it's all about European and, and World Cups you know we've missed out of late so there must be a real kind of hunger and desire amongst the uh, playing squad to kind of punch through and I think the supporters as well we feel as if it's been a long time you know, since we are part of a major tournament. So that's kind of driving the whole thing as well. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, That's ultimately where we want to be. So we've got to get the foundation blocks in place. And that's what, uh, you know, the new management team have been trying to do over the past couple of years. And you're excited about it. I think a lot of people are. Yeah, but, fun- but fundamentally, Look, you know, we want that tangible, I yeah, mean, if the you know, tangible proof of that kind of progress in terms of the difference results between and qualification. The Collins header going in and not going in is is seismic because... There, there's just this sluicing of of relief from the whole country behind it where there's still some people who are like I, yeah, I'd like to get behind this team they're doing a lot of good stuff but I'm just not sure they might break my heart again <laughs> How did your heart feel when that uh, Pavar goal went in? Like it, it was so un, like, unlike Josh Cullen to give the ball away in that, in that instance but it was just so. Well, do you so remember gutting. that goal? Do you remember the goal he scored? Was it was it two thousand and eight World Cup? Yeah, yeah, I mean, phenomenal striking. I actually, I had forgotten it. I had to look it up. I totally forgotten that game. It finishes four three. Yeah, oh. it was four two, and then Messi scores oh. in the ninety seven. Far minute, better strike than that to take. So he's got it in his lock, and it was interesting when he broke through. He had Moani on his. It was almost a two v one against Dallo Shea, and I was expecting him just to suck that in and play in Moani, which is generally what you do. You got a mm. forward thinking player. You know, you're a full, you're an orthodox fullback strokes uh, centre half but this lad backs himself and he had a poor night Parvard as a lot of the French uh, players did didn't, a lot didn't go right from picked up an early booking as well I thought he was going to get dragged I thought it was only a matter of time before he gets pulled and that Kunde comes off he's a bit of a liability there it hasn't happened for him at all and then he steps up and his, uh, hits a strike as well as that I mean, it wasn't even in the top corner if you're looking from behind that'd be three yards inside the post but he hits it so hard oh, that's precision high into the net yeah phenomenal uh, strike Kevin Doyle in the telly was like oh, I think maybe Bazuna could have done better the first time he saw it I was like I don't know about that Kevin no I'm no, not so sure I, I think, think that so. was because um, no, it doesn't do it justice one of them you know, the slow-mo really doesn't do it. you look at the slow-mo you think it's three yards inside the post there and he's not, like, yeah, he's not that far away from it Gavin 40 miles yeah. an hour oh yeah, yeah. when he hit it really you thought, oh my God, stop it, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, OTVAM live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Light Edition available now. Kenny's obviously with us for the next hour or so. If you want to get your thoughts in, you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream, youtube.com forward slash off the ball. I'm going to do some of your comments now. Um, JP Wright says, is Kenny the unluckiest manager we've ever had? I admire his braveness and his vision, but the poor guy just can't get a rub of the green. Uh, Ireland were excellent last night. Oh, hang on, someone's uh, deleting on me here. Ireland were excellent last night. They've set down a marker now for performance levels going forward. That's the thing, right? Um, so we all remember the night in Paris where Thierry Henry handled the ball. No. It was a sensational performance yeah. from the Ireland football team. We played brilliant football that came night. from nowhere, that, that performance, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It came from nowhere and that group never played at the same level again. They never, like, that was a last thing of a dying wasp. All those players desperately trying to qualify. And then eventually we qualified for a tournament and didn't go very well. Um, 
And there was also a suggestion that they ignored the manager's instructions that night and decided that they were just going to, like Duffer and Keane, this is the story, Duffer and Keane, like, no, just gonna, we're just going to do this, mm. right? I don't know how true that is. Yeah, it was um, our keep, wasn't it? It kind of blew us away a bit, the performance that night. But I, I thought the balance, you, you, you probably remember that game, I can't remember that game too clear, but I got a sense that that night, that wasn't a case of like circling the wagons around the kind of penalty box. We were really offering an attacking threat that night against mm. the French. We broke out, <laughs> yeah. really good kind of... Controlled the ball in midfield yeah, against a reasonable like, amount of really Brilliant yeah. side, yeah. So I suppose that's that's the kind of ideal what we're looking for in terms of that real solid defensive structure, but really, but springing out from that year and really offering an attacking uh, threat as well. I now we were one 0 down, obviously, as well. So that does alter your mindset a little bit. France were defensive from yeah. the start, going, "Should look, all we have to do is hold them off; it'll be grand." And then they cheated us. But anyway, my point was that was a complete. That was again a unicorn that never happened around that. The, this needs not to be a unicorn performance. Well, the average age you pointed out was totally. It's totally different last night compared to that night. Yeah, you know, which is so positive. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I guess like um, the the Portugal performance when Ronaldo breaks our hearts was also a bit of a unicorn in that we didn't perform that well against other sides. My hope is that there's enough in the structure here, notwithstanding you're saying we need to tweak it, but whatever those tweaks are, that everybody understands what their role is going to be. There's a clarity of thought, there's a clarity of purpose, and that leads to good results. Yeah, well, that's the hope. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're all, we, we could all certainly row in behind that. Mm. Yeah, undoubtedly. It doesn't just feel like a hope. Do you know what I mean? It feels like this well, it is. is a, it is at the moment, yeah. It is a hope at the moment because I suppose we haven't seen that con- in terms of uh, results. Uh, so far we haven't seen enough in terms of to suggest what real kind of confidence so oh, it's only a matter of time before we make that breakthrough and that kind of run of success in terms of results is going to come our way I take your point on what you're saying in terms of shoots of optimism the average age of the team but the, the reality is there's no guarantee no. young talent and we're talking international elite international football here yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of international teams out there who can point to some real you know a sprinkling of a young uh, uh, talent within the squad and we certainly have that but those players have to kind of realise their potential they have to factor in in terms of good organisation and preparation tactical setup, and that's where the managers coach and staff come in they I make, suppose that's what I'm they saying. make I, an impact put all the, roll, roll, roll all of that together it, but I think confidence as well in terms of don't underestimate in terms of results how much that can help players kind of confidence and, and grow together collectively, collectively easy to come out after the game another defeat and uh, talk it up and kind of be bold and positive but uh, until you can see it you can experience it as a player until you roll off a pitch against a team with the quality of the French with a draw having beaten them and and, does it, and you're sat in the dressing with the players after the game you're looking at each other saying yeah now we've arrived the belief is there you're looking at each other thinking we're good enough to compete in this company rather than you know not trudging off but coming off a little bit dispirited in order to defeat with, and you know, trying to rally the troops a little bit. Look, good days I, are ahead. I think last, last night, keep do, going. that does prove that they that they can compete in that company. Because you you look at a team of Championship and League One players realistically against a team of World Cup winners. But last night, and like we we kind of spoke about it was uh, Jean Philippe Leclerc said it yesterday. He was like, at the end of the day, it's it's eleven players against eleven players. Do you know? So they might be World Cup winners, and Ireland might not be, but. At the end of the day, it's just a match, and and they show that they can play to that level when it when it needs to be. Maybe it's because it's at home. Maybe it's because it's World Cup winners. It's easy to get up for those big games, but as you say, you have to get up for the Greece games and the Gibraltar games, probably even more so. And that's that's been a, that's been a probably a drawback on the Irish team in recent years as well. That they, they don't seem to get up for the 
maybe the lesser games uh, yeah and I wouldn't say that I think that's too harsh that that suggests like a, la- a lack of kind of a- uh, application that you know don't no, but don't take those a, games a Portugal, a Portugal they, and a Serbia they're easy games to get up for France an easy game to get motivated yeah, but I wouldn't for. say the Irish team ha- haven't got I didn't think they didn't get up for the game against Lafayette I'd never question in terms of mentality the, or their application in, in, in terms of the players just feel as if you look at you can break down the performances at times and maybe we can have a conversation about you know, was the balance of the team right individual selections and say where we, did we play in the kind of right areas where we looking to get the ball from back back to front uh, kind of quickly enough and all of those general conversations which most teams would have like you know, I think that's all that's all fine that's all well uh, well and good to be honest with you but I'd never question in terms of the mentality of the players and I think you're right there's a real kind of togetherness amongst this group you can see you saw a bit of it last night didn't we in terms of how the, some of the players reacted with the fans yeah, yeah that, that's great to, that's great to see don't yeah. like to see don't like to see too much of it uh, yeah. no, fair enough. The switches, yeah, you know what fair I mean enough. but it's yeah. great uh, that's spontaneous yeah. you saw with Jason Malumby Nathan Collins and that's genuine and that's yeah. why I don't, I don't mind you can sense it you can sense like their their, their attachment their emotional attachment uh, yeah. to, to the jersey look there's you a smell I mean? of want office I, I know that there's a smell of want office but we just it, I, I feel like they deserve something that they've put the hard work in that they have a plan yeah. that they've thought about the various challenges they've thought about the available resources and it feels like there's a, yeah. a plan right yeah yeah now, yeah and, and well, you've got to grab it you say you deserve do. it it's you not do. like a hand to you like you, yeah, you know elite sports Clint Eastwood standing over get... Gene Hackman I don't forgive him <laughs> dessert's got nothing to do with it yeah, you've got to grab it the head off me there Kenny thanks <laughs> yeah yeah exactly nobody's got a, a hand to you look that was a really spirited performance great character there you go you know what I mean no. you've got to literally no. you know right. you've got to go and grab it and that's just that next small step which we have to make uh, Il Postino 88 says last night was a total outlier far better reflection of where the squad is after June I mean look we, we know that the results against the teams in June are going to ultimately define where we end up finishing in the group but a point from the games against France would have been great uh, I think I actually I, I, a lot of people are overreacting I think to Holland's performance on Friday night mm. there was a dose of shits running through the team and half the team were sick so they didn't play they didn't have half their team and I think that um, you know maybe if they had their full team they would have been slightly better against France on uh, Friday night. So we shall see. Uh, OTBM with Gillette Labs got the ultimate shave or your money back in the online edition available now. We're going to take a quick break. Keith Tracy standing by. Philippe Claire. after that we'll get John Douglas' thoughts as well. We're also going to talk to Cora Staunton and we'll play our Kelly Harrington interview a little bit later on as well. But in the meantime quick break. Keith Tracy up next. OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball Alright, uh, Kenny's chatting away in the break there. I can't hear a thing because I've got my earphones in, Kenny. Alright, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Keith Trace is with us. Keith, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, very well, thanks. Um, what did you make of our attacking play last night? We, we haven't talked about that yet. Uh, the reason we haven't talked about it because there wasn't an awful lot of it, but it, we played percentage football, but you have to do things like that against the French. I thought it was a hybrid approach, which. Yeah, again, I thought worked well at times. The first couple of the first couple of minutes, Evan Ferguson runs down to the channel. He ends up turning and crossing, and there's nobody in the box. But we played we played good football. But I think there's just a little bit of a, a diluted message. I think if Kenny nails down before, especially before the French game, you tell everybody we don't mess around on the edge of our 18 yard box. We don't play because that's Pavard who scores that goal. By the way, that's the French right back. So Cullen playing that ball across our 18-yard box has to see that Pavard is out of position. Just clip that ball into the channel. Get Ogbeni running, get Evan Ferguson running. He doesn't. He plays a little 
a sideways ball which are always dangerous balls especially in their own half and, and we get punished but in terms of our attack and play we only really look dangerous towards the end when we start pumping balls into the box there was no real open play looking good there was endeavour Benny was giving Theo Hernandez a hard time but in terms of actually getting on the half turn playing balls through there, there wasn't really an awful lot of that Was, there, was our best opportunity not the one that fell tonight that got blocked by Griezmann and did that not come from playing inside that was like with Bazunu to Coleman was it Doherty at that stage or, or who was it would have been I can't actually remember who oh, Benny got down the right hand side yeah. he dropped his shoulder and drove drove down the right hand side he could have played Evan Ferguson in the second half he didn't oh yeah he eventually popped it across to um, Jason I think yeah. the one you're talking about he came on the inside the edge yeah. of the box and it was a it was a block, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't. Again, did it end up in a shot on target? Did the keeper have to no. save it? And it was a block shot. And again, I know I understand. He should have got shot away. Like, yeah, we're, so getting I think there. That we're getting half chances, but yeah. again. But it's League One versus the Champions only, League. I that understand that, yeah. but the only time we ever looked dangerous was the Collins header and when we started putting balls into the box. So why not do that? against the French I'm not saying do it for every team that comes to the Aviva but when the French come get the ball out wide Theo Hernandez is not a great defender and we knew he was going to be left 1v1 because Mbappe is up the pitch Could he even book for persistent fouling? Is yeah. like, I mean is this my GA? Yeah, it it to, like, yeah. Th- three times pushing somebody in the back yep. that's a yellow card and then you stick Mikey Johnson on him and you go okay let's see what happens now anyway yeah. Yeah, well, he did. He, he was a bit silly a couple of times. He ran into the back of Benny, and it was just the physical attributes of Benny he didn't want. And yeah, look, I think we could have played on it a bit more, but the French had an off day. We were a little bit better than we probably expected. And yeah, again, it's just another kick in the teeth that we didn't get at. What, what did you make of Stephen Kenny's in game decisions, the subs? So just look at the subs. So Ida's 65th minute, and then that's the triple sub on 77. You have McLean, Johnston, and Brown. And then, of course, Obafemi comes on late. But do you feel he got the decisions? in-game right Keith or? I think his hands were tied a bit I'd love to see Evan Ferguson stay on down the stretch for the last 20 minutes because we know he's the one that we're all putting our hopes in to hit yeah. the back of the net but I understand why he was taken off the workload he got through was was, was massive he was in quite a, a physical battle with Upa Meccano and Kanate as well so I, I understand why he was taken off and he is a good target man as well we could have got up around him Mikey Johnson coming on he's electric in and around he's lively isn't he picking up second ball so I understand all the changes and I, I don't you know I, I would have loved to see Evan Ferguson say on of course but I understand all the reasons they were made you know such a such a heavy workload the, the lads were getting through yeah, yeah I suppose the, uh, you, you mentioned about keeping them on the pitch how, if you if you keep them on the pitch how can you keep them on the pitch maybe you throw someone up alongside them we've spoken about it playing with the two down the central area of the pitch obviously Evan came on Adam came on by himself in isolation and we got Mikey uh, Johnson or Benny either side of him kind of a narrow three for the remainder of the game but I'll probably yeah I'd agree with Keith to an extent maybe keeping Ferguson and getting Adam Eade up alongside him as a two just to kind of share the workload a bit and hope that maybe something might just drop for Evan Ferguson probably our best finisher inside the penalty box but I'd agree with Keith physically you could tell he was struggling probably 5-10 minutes before he was, he, he was, uh, he was substituted so yeah no I think the, the substitutions were were absolutely uh, fine I could understand the shame of slotting in right of the three Alan Brown attacking player Alan Brown was and good he's a goal threat yeah. and, and Alan's a uh, goal threat threat was a half chance one across into the box late yeah. on to the back post from James as Keith suggesting yeah. a little bit more of a cut and thrust down the left hand side when James came on it's decent, his delivery's decent isn't it and that's shot from the Allen kind of a half chance that's you know that's all it was um, Keith we talked last week before the games about the, the uh, treating the two games separately 
and it seems like they treated the two games as a block basically trying to get the team as prepared and as fresh as they could for the France game as opposed to caring too much in retrospect about the Lafayette friendly uh, yeah but see, that, that was the one thing I, I spoke to Kenny Neaviva about this last night I mean Kenny Cunningham now not Stephen Kenny <laughs> uh, just that we, we should maybe change it up a bit like when Lafayette come we played a very similar formation to the formation we played last night and I just think we need to be a little bit more expansive trust our attacking players because if we can't break the likes of Lafayette down in from open play and look good against them, we're not going to be able to go toe to toe with the French. Yeah, now we you could argue that our problem against Lafayette was that we were unable to like tackle them properly and uh, close the ball down, which we were grand at last night. So I, I do think there was an element of like this is still only Lafayette, whereas the the, the points on offer for the tournament uh, raised the the standard of the whole team last night. Yeah, and I think Stephen Kenny will have to. I, I said this last night as well. I think the standard is set in terms of work rate I think that's the work rate we need to demand from every single game whether it's France or Eddie's Lafayette I think the minimum requirement is maximum effort we got that last night and the French on paper are a million miles above us but we outworked them every player outworked the opposition player they were up against and it brought the level a little bit closer and we hustled and bustled not an awful lot of goal mount action but that suited us down to the ground and the checkpoint was with 20 minutes to go still be in the game yeah. and we were still in the game Do you think that that base camp has been established and that this is something to build on as opposed to a one-off performance that I mean we don't know because the evidence the proof will be in the pudding but what's your instinct I hope not I, I hope Stephen Kenny Keith Andrews I hope they're nailing that down and saying you know get the running stats out and say that's the bare minimum every single game because if we work that hard against the majority of the teams that we play we'll get something out of the game if we start picking and choosing when we want to walk that hard, we'll start coming undone again. So if we walk that hard against Greece, I know it's June, I know it's going to be hot. Yes. We're going to have to keep the ball an awful lot better. But if our walk rate is up, up or there or thereabouts, we will beat the so-called lower teams. Athens experiences hot temperatures throughout the summer months, with June, July and August all bringing average daily highs of at least 30, mm. although temperatures of over 40 have been recorded. Yeah, so that's so when I talk about different Steve Staunton job, not, yeah, not one on. of us would uh, would perform under those. Uh, no, yeah. no, that's going to be a different challenge. So, uh, Keith Roy generally in terms of that kind of work rate endeavour. But to be honest with you, I never remembered watching an Ireland team too often in the past and thinking, oh, this lock would work a bit, half, a bit harder. You know, we need a, a harder a shift. The intensity levels were phenomenal last night. I agree with that. But that's never been a thing that's held us back in terms of lack of application. Does it feel like on behalf the, of the players? Does it feel like they're applied to a plan? That's the thing. Oh, it was a real plan. It was a real cohesion. You could tell we were prepared. Good organisation last night. That's what I'm saying. I was, I was delighted to see that. But like I said, the the Greece game, that's what we're going to be talking about next. So we talk about the Lafayette game. But I think that opening 20, 25 minutes against Lafayette, I was reasonably impressed with how we played in possession of the football. I thought we had a certain element of control against them. I thought a combination play between Will Smallbone and Matt Dartley down the right-hand side was interesting. You know, I thought they looked comfortable in each other's skin. We worked the ball. We were quite progressive with our passing, particularly down the right-hand side. A real element of control to the game, which I think we're going to need in that in that Greece game for the, some of the reasons that you're saying in terms of the temperatures, etc. So that's what I'm saying. I think he's going to have to flip it a little bit uh, against Greece in terms of personnel and even in terms of the format. But you can do that. With, with, you know, it doesn't mean we, oh, we've got to go four three three and totally pull the whole thing apart. That back five unit, I think, stays in place. But I'm sure he'd be looking in front of that. You're not sure about the back five, are you? No, not against not against the the lower teams. And look against Latvia, I would say Kenny saying you saying the, the first twenty thirty minutes, probably the first twenty minutes we were good. After we scored the second goal, we took our foot off them. 
off the gas and we allowed Laffy into the game. Look at that first goal. It's a brilliant goal. It can happen against anybody. But it was the fact that we we didn't seem to recover. We looked really nervous all of a sudden. We looked shaky at the back. And there was no real leader just telling everybody to calm down. There was nobody saying, I'll get on the ball and I'll calm all this down and I'll make people around me calm down. It was just sort of panic stations and we let them back in. And then look, we wrestled the back and it's difficult to do when the tide starts turning on the pitch. We wrestled the back and we won 3-2. But... I wasn't overly impressed by what we did. I think we need a few players needed. It was good. I looked at Laffy game initially and thought I could have done without that hole in the head. Really, Mm. would have been great to have that weak lead up to the French game. But the closer we got to it, in terms of the players who hadn't had game time at club level, I think it served us well. You spoke about Nathan Collins how well he played last night. I think it helped him having that that game time against Laffy. It was actually a bit rusty, a bit loose against Laffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a number of players. So I I actually think it served a little bit of a purpose for us in terms of. in terms of sharpening a few players up you mentioned, for the French game. You mentioned Will Smallbone there. Like, will he, was he hard done by not to be involved whatsoever, even off the bench? Was it a game for him? I know hindsight's obviously twenty twenty, but like, should he have at least come off the bench last night? He played well against Latvia, I'll give him that. He really did. Him and Dottardy were creating overloads out on the right wing. He was floating around, picking up nice positions. He seems to be the one who can play on the half turn, and he's given us mm. that little bit of interest, but... Again, you have to take the opposition into account. That yeah. was Lafayette and this is France. So it was deep, deep water to be asking them to go into. Yeah, I think that like they were getting him in the squad. They were giving him a taste of action. They were saying, go off and you know come back to us in six months' time. And you're now, you're in the mix. But the France game, like he was tried and tested. There was, I'd with the exception s- of Mikey Johnson, I think. Yeah, I'd have to say, though, he really impressed me against um, Lafayette. Not so much in terms of in possession of football, because we've probably seen a lot of them play with the 21s. So that wasn't a surprise. A very talented uh, uh, footballer, but I've always looked at him and think in terms of how we play. You know, we can't we can't carry anybody out of possession, particularly in our midfield, and that's why Noid, Malumbi, and Cuddy don't carry any of them when you haven't got the ball because of their defensive discipline, their tenacity, the aggression which they have. That was so important last night. But I looked at um, Smallbone against Lafayette out of possession. And he was—he wasn't shirking it, you know. In terms of getting himself back into his defensive shape, physically for me, he looked in a better uh, place and condition than he was maybe a, a year ago. Uh, look, almost looked at him thought he look, looks a little bit kind of lightweight, a little bit powder. Yeah, yeah. So all those signs were good. So I looked at him against Lafia, no quality opposition, you're right. But I looked at him against Lafia, thought, you know what? He's impressed. Doesn't look as if you know what I mean. We're going to have to carry him if we haven't got the ball, and that's important because when we do get the ball, and people talk about a creative edge in midfield as good as Jason and J- Jason Knight, Malumbi and Josh Cullen, who I'm a big fan of, but we haven't got that type of player who can receive the ball uh, under pressure on the half turn and playing those areas. Will Sm- Smallbone probably is that type of player so I think uh, I don't think necessarily six months to a year down the road I think maybe Steve might be looking at him certainly with the Greece game for the reasons that you're saying and saying there might be he's pushing for inclusion and in that starting lineup. Yeah I think the other thing about the Greece game is that they'll have Mikey Johnson in the squad for the second time and they'll have seen what he can do and he's not a player we have there's nobody else like him in the squad at the moment we haven't had anybody like him since McGeady really and away in Greece if you need to change the game or maybe you start with him in Greece I, I wouldn't start with him just because I think possession is going to be at a premium with uh, 
<clears throat> with the weather being so hot, you're going to have to keep the ball. And I think Mikey Johnson, being a winger, he likes to get at people. He will lose the ball from time to time, and that's in his makeup. I like that about this him. Is you saying rock. that? Yeah, I, exactly. Look, I love that about him, so I wouldn't start him. And <laughs> what about the wingers' union? Ah, it's the wingers' union. I'm out at years now. <laughs> you know, look, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't start him. Like I say, just because it's going to be hot, but he definitely take him off the bench. If the game is in the running, we need right. a goal, or it's it's in the balance. So I definitely put him on, and he's a, a huge plus. He's been really good. That the run he went on against Lafayette when he went in the box and took two or three on well, the first hit. time he got the ball under pressure last night well he was under pressure and suddenly like there's a little postage stamp swivel of the hips and three yeah, players beating you're like wow yeah. give him the ball yeah. but then, you know, don't underestimate that the ability and I know it as a defender you're under the cost to be able to give the ball to somebody you know he's got a Keita's probably that type of play you know he's going to keep the ball for you 5, 10, 15 seconds not even necessarily to take it 30, 40 yards up the pitch but just maintain possession for a period of time Is there can actually recover and get a breather is there a way that you can in, uh, use that in the team and say don't try and kill them every time you get it well, I think it's hard to get them in a, a, the, the setup of our team so uh, before last night uh, previously we played the back five uh, three narrow three in midfield really three orthodox central midfielders we generally play in there whether it's the three we played last night if Alan Brown comes in he'd, he'd be the same and we played with a front we've really played with a front two with striking partnership now if you're looking at Mikey Johnson saying where does he fit into that does he fit into a narrow midfield three with the kind of qualities that we're talking about no, no. would you play him naturally as a, as a, as a, as a front two a, 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 as a central striker almost probably not he's a little bit in between isn't he so it's hard to fit him in if you're talking about a narrow front three a midfield two and a narrow uh, front three as we did against Laffer brought him on yeah absolutely coming off the inside into the pockets but I think he's he's he's, he's hard to pigeonhole he's that and type a, of, bit a, of free spirit so the role that Ogbeni played last night uh, a version of that except you're looking for no him. last night because there was a huge amount of defensive responsibility mm. on not against France against Greece last night. what I'm saying is against Greece yeah but I wouldn't go with the forward against Greece so I'd love to I think we need to go back to that uh, uh, central strike and pair for me it's Evan Ferguson plus Chiodosi or plus uh, Obafemi or plus Adamida in the game against uh, uh, Greece I'd like to see us go back to our two central strikers well, what's your preferred Greece. two of those four names you just picked what, what's the four or what's your preferred two options uh, well after Chiodosi's performance last night and I think he's always done very well Chiodosi but he seemed mm. to have fallen out favourably but prior to the uh, game against kind of Lafia hadn't got a lot of uh, game time under yeah, Stephen the I previous three or four games right. I think he's better running on to the ball rather than when he's back to the ball but I think uh, Obafemi Obafemi and Ferguson I think are a very good pair I like mm. them two together but I think I think Eda and Ferguson are a bit similar I think obviously Ferguson is a, a better player than Eda but I think they're too similar I think it's one of them and somebody else yeah, so that's yeah, that's the interesting argument for me. But I get a bit more if you're talking about an attacking threat, create more goal scoring opportunities. How you know how we're going to more sustained? Uh, I think we get more sustained pressure by playing with a front two because we can go back to front if we want a little bit earlier, maintain possession in the opposition half, and then people can go and join in, and we can get a bit of traction in the opposition half a, a little bit easier with that front two. Now you have to sacrifice one to centre midfield, but that's okay for me. You know, we we've got our wing backs uh, in the system. Knight well, becomes a, a ten, or you know, that's so you have Malumbi and Cullen, or yeah. and and that's fine. That should be fine in most cases. You're not up right. against 
Well, it depends, class, it depends the quality. Malumbi and Cullen last night in the midfield too wouldn't have been enough because they got 20, 25 no, yards of space not against either France. side of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're right. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about in terms of little minor adjustments, modifications you can make. You could argue like uh, Malumbi and Cullen as a two, small ball playing as a 10 in behind the front two. Yeah. You know, so that's what I'm saying. These are the small things I'm sure the manager will be uh, looking at depending on the opposition and the challenges we're going to face. If you do play small ball in the 10, he's somebody who puts the walk rate in as well. He's not exactly a luxury player he'll just say I'll, get, I'll walk when I get on the ball like Kenny says he'll come back and make it a five in the middle and walk for you as well yeah, and then I, I, I think that the point of him being on the bench last night was to see that the level of work rate expected from any of those players in that midfield no, trio no better man to watch than uh, Griezmann well, yeah, I mean, that would be, if he could turn yeah, into Griezmann, that would be good. You know, whatever about his technical ability, Griezmann's Sensational, 40 goals, 40-odd goals at international level as well. It's like I've seen him on his backside a couple of times, putting mm-hmm. in tackles. He's attack with Jason Malumbi at 50-50, oh, I remember they, the they killed half, each other. like, full-on, yeah. like, studs up. wouldn't like, miss like, him on anyway, Griezmann. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't miss him. Like, the set pieces, that, that's another thing that, that kind of cropped up last night. I saw a couple of people commenting last night when I, where I was watching it, saying Jimmy McGrath might have been a man to have in there for the set pieces. There was even that short corner at one point during the game where Josh Cullen tried to play it and you're just thinking put the ball in the box yeah. <laughs> big did that, to be fair I thought Olivia was quite good Josh Cullen off that right hand side that outswing across I thought he put in some very good areas the thing was the people that I was down the side of the pitch like uh, before the game and it's amazing really French team came out and has literally landed the joints Griezmann apart unbelievable yeah. in terms of their phys- the height mm. now we're talking about offering a threat at set pieces I was more worried about them at set pieces, like every one of their players six foot and over, like Kanata, uh, absolute giants, Pavard, uh, Giroud, Rabios uh, six foot three, Tushmani comes off the bench, absolutely phenomenal. Super so then up until the, the yeah the uh, the way. Uh, uh, Collins header we hadn't won one uh, header in the box they'd put their head on everything every corner we'd put into the box so this is what you're up against you, t- you talk about their technical ability how good they are uh, ball players but like in terms of like f- physically they're absolutely phenomenal machines mm. so yeah I wouldn't be overly critical of uh, kind of set pieces I thought we actually put them into some good areas but just very difficult uh, to get the better of them in those situations until that um, yeah Collins header Ferguson was a little bit, I don't want to be critical of the lad, he's brilliant, but uh, li- probably a little bit leggy last night. He's played a lot of football as well, which you have to remember. But And then there's the, the, the pressure of a fixture like that. Now, Evan Ferguson's played in some big games, but certainly wasn't the Evan Ferguson we've probably seen in recent weeks. No, and look, playing in the Brighton team and playing into the Irish team, it, it's basically chalk and cheese, you know, the way the build-up play will happen. He, he he worked hard, he did everything we wanted from him last night, he did look like he could make something happen, but the one thing for me, physically he looks like a man, he's only 18 years of age, but he looks like a man, it, it was either Upa Makano or Kanate, he put on the backside once, he just said, I think he was getting a little bit annoyed because he wasn't getting the ball, so he just left a bit on him and put him on his backside, and I thought, I love that, especially over a young lad being able to put, him about, put himself about physically. And look, he's, I'm very reluctant. I, I think he's going to go on and be an absolute Ireland legend. I really do. But I'm very reluctant to put too much more weight on his shoulders because he's on the front of the programme. We're all getting behind him. And we've seen Aaron Connolly. We've seen Troy Palaf. Troy Parra fall by the wayside with the pressure so I'm very very reluctant to put it on him but he seems to just take to it like a duck to water every task that gets put in front of him he's just knocking it out of the way It was a different task from uh, last night didn't have the luxury of a partner alongside him I know, thought he did well was, under the circumstances you yeah, know? I thought his hold of play was great a couple of times kind of forced half under pressure we popped the ball out to him Upa Meccano Canate breathing down his neck yeah pushed his shoulder out like Keith was saying 
you know, imposed himself, made the ball stick, bought us a little bit of time. Now, layoffs were good a couple of times to Jason. I won a few kind of free kicks and, and got a, a breather, which we which we needed. So he did as, as best as he could last night in a, a difficult kind of situation, which he found himself. What did you make of the referee's performance last night? Like He probably let the game flow quite a bit. There was a few tackles that maybe could have been yellow cards for both teams that weren't given. Yeah, but there was a couple of very strange decisions. I thought Theo Hernandez three or four times just ran into the back of Ogbené could have been booked very very easily um, that would have changed things a little bit yeah, yeah well, it would have put him on the back foot anyway there was I one where was joking, Jerry's not letting that one go <laughs> we was done the, the we w- was robbed we, we were robbed yeah, the, the one weird when I remember I think it was Mawani uh, we had the ball in the French box and Mawani knocks it past Malumbi yeah. and Mawani's breaking and Malumbi fouls him and he gives us a foul <laughs> yeah, I thought right. yeah, some, yeah, of, the, some of the decisions were really really weird Josh, Josh Cullen got away with one early on didn't he he, he, did. he took out Mawani the half line when he was racing clear like yeah. into where half the pace that could have been a straight you know, so just kind of the level things up the a little shirt bit. pulling was called every time except when we did it on Mbappe in the penalty area so you know maybe we got away with one there a little bit yeah well I, I in real time I thought Mbappe just threw himself to the ground but I, I had the benefit of a replay and you're thinking there's not a lot in the short pull but no, when, but the, he, when the short comes away from the body like that and he's been given them earlier yeah option yeah so yeah. lucky um, Brian says I agree with Keith Ogbeni can't play with his back to goal ask the two lads what they make of Knight when he has the ball he's not good enough in my opinion very good off the ball but not near good enough on it I think he's really good on it but I think that last night was a giant step up in class from what he's used to and so he needs to at least be playing championship football next season and uh, ideally he'd be playing at a higher level yeah Jason's an interesting I like Jason a lot to be honest with you but if we think he's going to be like a ball playing central midfield player like a quarterback you're mistaken he's not going to do that for me Jason is a player who arrives onto the scene late and you can see that in terms of the, the kind of third man runs which he makes from central midfield position so he's not one who likes to come towards the ball and receive the ball and get things going from a deeper midfield position if anything I look at him he kind of you want to keep him away from the ball and when the ball goes from back to front he's the one kind of joining in we've seen that already what was that away game like a couple of years ago that he'd done great a couple of times arriving into the box he set up Ogbonny for a goal I think he set up two goals so so for me, that's his uh, strengths. Arriving late, he's got an unbelievable uh, uh, engine in him. But he won't have an effect on the game. If you can't get the ball from back to front often enough and make the ball stick, you're not going to get him in the game because he's the one really, when the centre forward makes the ball stick, he's the one arriving off that or for the next ball kind of in behind. So that's the type of player that he is. So I think you have to be realistic in terms of the qualities which he has. Saying last night, well, he didn't get on the ball, he didn't get us playing in that central midfield area. It's not really his game. For me, he's a kind of specific type of player in that central midfield area, but I like him. Yeah, well, I think that that's it's the problem that we've always had. Cullen, Knight, Malumbi, they're all the same. They all run around, they get you the ball. All different levels of, of talent, but pretty much same in what they do when they get you the ball. And Like we say, we're putting a little bit of hope into Will Smallbone that he's the one that can play on the, in the, on the half turn. But, yeah, there's a lack of creativity in the middle. But, look, I, I don't take it away from the lads because the attributes they have are some great attributes and they can work well within the team. But in terms of creating and, and you know, playing football like a knife through butter, they don't really have yeah, that so, eye of the needle yeah, stuff. Yeah, so that's a good point. So Jay's talking about oh, we want to play a different way, we want to get away from traditionally blah, blah, or, or whatever. And that's all well and good. But we have to recognise the qualities, the strengths here, the players that we have in the team. So you look at those centre midfielders, Jason Knife, me, arriving late onto things, Jason Malumbi as well, at his best when the ball goes beyond them. And again, he's he's kind of uh, joining in. Is Josh Cullen the type of uh, disciplined centre midfielder who's going to get on the ball, be that kind of quarterback and dominate games as a playmaker? Probably not. So we've got to rec- recognise that and we've got to mix 
makes our game but as much as we want to get on the ball and play more of a possession based game we have to recognise the fact we want to get the ball from back to front as early as possible as well and allow these players to join and get the likes of Mikey Johnson as well in possession uh, higher up the pitch Will Smallbone again at his best in the opposition half in the little pockets so we have to transition the ball from back to front as early as we can for me to get in that half the pitch to see the, the strengths of those players midfield players in particular that we have so it's that fine balance I don't think we have to play a certain way a possession based game yet yeah, to an extent but I, I want possession in the opposition half and the last tour to the pitch as often as possible and the quicker we can get there for me the better if that means we go back to front all well and good remember the ball to Adam, uh, Adam Eda second half I think from down the left hand side 30 40 yard ball down the side behind he raced Canate swiveled Play the ball on the inside, two passes, James McLean's driving into the box, almost shot on target. Absolutely nothing wrong with that either as well. So it's that kind of happy balance. Yes, we want to play more of a possession-based game, but understand our strengths as well and the individual attributes of the players that we have in the squad and tailor a system of play or a style of play that we've been talking about which best suits those players. I don't think it's necessarily one way or the other. Yeah, and the one thing as well, it, the French are coming and the French are very, very good at pressing. You see, look, the way they scored the goal, it's a bad uh, bad pass by Cullen and Pavard, puts it into the back of the net, but it's a really, really high press. So if we recognise that and when we have it, we just chip it over the top of them, eventually that high press, they're going to just get a pain in their arse and say, I'm not pushing up the pitch because I'm just running behind, uh, running towards my own goal. So you just get them set into a way and then you start to earn the right to play. So it's not always long ball. Football. Did we not chip it forward a little bit early on? Was it when, you know, so it, I, it, chip it. it Chip, okay. golf not <laughs> golf here are we the masters like heckin chipping on the, around the greens we did didn't we we, we were we, it felt a little bit like we were mixing it up we did we did mix it up but again I think there's, there's a little bit of a diluted message that we were trying to play football we're, we're as good as anybody on the ball in Europe these kind of quotes coming out is that just in Cullen's head a little bit when he's on the edge of the 18 yard boxes you know, for me, we're doing it's nil all. It's we're just started the second half. We're in the red zone. Don't concede a goal the first ten minutes of the second half. I mean, actually started the quite well. We put them under pressure. The, the mistakes were still happening. That you know, France had come out at the start of the second half and made a couple of mistakes. You're like, actually, this this is going to fall into the same pattern as the first half. That's why it's a little bit heartbreaking. Yeah, but again, the, like every. Every game has checkpoints. The first 20 minutes is a checkpoint. The first 10 minutes of the second half is a checkpoint. And you would have imagined that Deschamps gave the, gave the French a bit of a, a bit of an earful at halftime. So you have to expect a bit of a, you know, a bit of fire at the start of the second half. So that pass for me is, it's just really, really nonsensical. And again, I keep saying it, it's their right back. So just chip it into the space that the, that Pavard should have been there and just get us up the pitch and just play from there. Uh, Adrian McGrath says either should have started and we should have finished with Ferguson maybe like I, I, I disagree but I do think that they were considering that I think that if Ida had been fit there's a good chance that he, like fully fit and had played and not come off injured for his last game and Norwich hadn't pulled him out of the squad and then he showed up anyway which is kind of an interesting dynamic that's gone on at club level for him um, it did sound like they were definitely considering that and I don't know I think that it was uh, too big yeah, I don't think it would have had a huge bearing on the game whether Adam had his start or, or, or Nathan Ferguson I know but the fans want the Ferguson and he's on the front of the cover like sometimes you know the connection with the team is important 
Yeah, no, I think he will. I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Adam Eder. I think he will play a part going forward. It'd be interesting in terms of the kind of uh, that kind of partnership. Keith was talking about it. There's a natural partnership between him and uh, Evan Evan Ferguson. That that'd be interesting. I think potentially they could. I, I understand what you're saying, all right, but I think because Evan Ferguson is so good in terms of his ball retention, actually dropping into the pockets to receiving the ball, I think there's an argument there for Adam's pace in behind and kind of down the sides. And I think they're, they're both intelligent players as well. I think potentially there's a partnership there. I look at Obafemi, I know, understand what you're saying, I'd agree with you, that lightning pace. For me, that was probably a reason I probably would have maybe started with him la- last night, Obafemi, quick transitions, counter-attack, his pace in behind, he spins off the shoulder, percent to half, you fancy your chances kind of 1v1 but I think in terms of his all-round all all game his kind of ball uh, uh, retention some of his decision making on Bafemi I'd question I think he's still a little bit raw he's still developing whereas Adamida and Ferguson although very young for me a lot more polished more mature in, t- in terms of their positional sense and the decisions that they make so yeah I think that's an interesting one Ida and Ferguson potentially going forward I think there's a bit of joy in that they're all like 20 22 like night <laughs> night, <laughs> back to this. night turns 16-17 yeah maybe like you're struggling 20-21 20, 24 still you know below 24 no 24 24 you're, you're past it <laughs> you're, you're old over the hill yeah <laughs> oh dear um, but I will say though the French last I have to now look don't get me wrong not, we've t- spoke uh, talked up the Irish performance yeah, uh, ab- absolutely and, and rightly so but I, I, I watched the French warm up uh, and I was, I was close to Griezmann and Mbappe were doing a little bit of a passing drill in front of me on the side of the pit and I was looking at it before the game I've never seen anything as sloppy in my life do you remember like, your, your warm ups going out for a warm up you're warming up Jared, that's 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 what you're that's trying to do. That's a good point. You're no, what? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, Kenny? I know he was. I don't know how you warmed up, but I was very conscious <laughs> of the fact I need to David get Brent my head. Yeah, physically, man, I need to get myself up to. I need to be. Up, the game's kicking off in twenty minutes. That you know what I mean? Kicking under the ground there. Was I've his never legs. seen Anne like a swan. Sloppy yeah. as Thames. They're kicking the ball. It was like park football. The two of them, you wouldn't have known. And you might think, ah, oh, when it matters, yeah, when, yeah, when the game starts, that's it. Whoosh, they're going to switch on. Boom, get into the zone. But that's literally how they started the game. Were you a good warm-up man? I uh, I did. That's what I'm saying. I, literally, I did as well. I literally tried to warm up. I literally, except that time, I remember being up in them um, Tramere once uh, at Prenton Park in Tramere and warming up, hitting those long balls. Uh, like toward the yards to couple of the defenders and, and the lad smashed the ball over my head and I was running backwards and somebody put an advertising board <laughs> onto the pitch went straight over like on their legs in the air oh my god so yeah I was well warmed up after and that and no one ever mentioned it yeah but it's amazing isn't it and you might think oh you're reading too much into that but I don't know I looked at that last night I thought this is a bit but that's how they started the game mm. Mbappe absolute uh, shadow the two fullbacks you, you mentioned Hanan yeah and I think we got a bit of that 10-15 minutes in the game. a couple of sloppy passes wasn't there they kicked the ball out like, they kicked the ball out of play a few times ball bobbling over their feet and things like that because there would have been a bit of fear in the Irish players I said it before the game and that's not a bad thing you no. know, I experienced a lot of that in my career and it really kind of sharpens your it's doesn't it yeah, yeah you have to be on you and when you get a bit of a sense of that 10-15 minutes in hold on you're having a little bit of joy they're getting a bit of sloppy you're putting a bit of a press on having a bit of joy winning the ball forcing a few mistakes you sense it with the crowd a little bit a couple of sloppy passes well hello this might be our night, so we we might get might be in the game. So I think the the players kind of fed off that a little, little bit early in the game. But yeah, I'd have to say some of those French individual performers were absolutely like 
Rotten. My 14 uh, year old daughter went along. She'd never been to an Ireland game in her life, but she went along to watch Mbappe, and I met her after the game and said, My God, wasn't he. <laughs> yeah, the expectation was, actually, was up there. Like. Yeah, I was really disappointed. Like, I got a sense of that. If you saw the pitch, when Mbappe came out to the pitch, the kids, you could hear, you get a sense, oh, it's Mbappe. You don't get that with too many. Messi, probably Ronaldo, aside. I can't think of too many other the last kind of 10, 15 years, can you? And you're getting a sense of that. I kind of sense it a bit last. Oh, this is interesting. But you get the kids, oh, amazing. Here he is. He's in the flesh. We can actually see him. Yeah. This kind of God, you know what I mean? So I yeah. think there's a little bit of responsibility that kind of uh, comes up. Am I putting too much on his shoulders and that? Do you know what I mean? No, I don't think you are. Like but your, your, did your, we not do? Did we not like? Chidozie Benny followed him whenever he was he was making a run, and Coleman followed him, and we did well Coleman, on him. Coleman was brilliant. By I the think way. I only yeah, seen him open his legs probably two or three times because you're looking out for it. I think, and I want to see how how quick he is because I'm up in the guards. I can see the whole length of the pitch. I want to see stride for stride how quick he is and. I think I only seen him open his legs once or twice in the whole game. It was really, really poor. Just but body Coleman language. was excellent. Yeah, Coleman was he, he took his he was. The, the way he defended, and Kenny will know an awful lot better than me. But uh, Coleman would take Mbappe's space, so he didn't let him get up ahead of speed. He would go and engage him, and when he comes and run, Collins would come across and help him, and he would engage, yeah. slow Mbappe down, and Collins would come in. I think Coleman could play another three or four years as a as a third man and a three centre backs for somebody at some level of football if he wants to. I think that's the, I think that's the way forward for him, and that'll be interesting if he comes in. You're talking about Nathan Collins going in, maybe centre of a three there as well, and that leads into what you're saying about in terms of a kind of a certain style of play. So if you're going to do that, you need players in key areas of the pitch. It's not all about central midfield. If you're going to play that way, you need ball players in central midfield. You need them across that back three line. Seamus can do that. He's an orthodox right back, isn't he? He's very comfortable driving forward. Nathan, we've seen that already. You know, Darrow Shea, left of three, very comfortable in terms of his passing. So, yeah, that's interesting. That'll be something, again, which I'm sure the manager will look at going forward. Yeah, Seamus, was it only Seamus when we, position of the team. Was it only when we went 1-0 down that Egan started to drift forward a bit more? Because I, I wondered if that was a wrinkle that they're actually like, advising so obviously Collins comes out with the ball and drives forward and is is an an extra man in attack from time to time and everybody understands that that's going to happen and you, you filter back it happened a bit in the first half it obviously happened more after the goal was scored but I, I couldn't tell from watching if it, it looked like Egan was drifting forward a bit more as well and that extra body in midfield is a bit like for everybody going who's picking this guy up well that's not me because he's a centre back So I see John to be fair shame is can, you can talk about in terms of stepping forward into kind of midfield and being an extra body Nathan yeah absolutely John Egan's the one for me for me he's more the sitter he's the holder he's the one one who almost allows other players to step forward he's the one who kind of All sits right. and organises probably the least efficient in terms of stepping into midfield and getting us playing and that's all that's okay for me I think you need somebody who's actually happy to sit behind it and actually pull the strings be the kind of puppeteer a little bit yeah Nathan off you go Seamus you can go and join him but I'm staying here Josh you come in alongside me and just keep that kind of bit of defensive sleep that bit of balance to us even when we're kind of I'm talking about attacking here and you're like you know we have to make sure they're <laughs> defending just, uh, whatever you, you do don't attack too much. Yeah, but I I found that very early uh, in international football in particular because I, I was very limited in terms of ball playing ability. I couldn't no. play in this order's team. Yeah, I couldn't. Have. That was a fact. Very limited in terms of me, uh, me ball playing. So for me, well, 
I uh, very quickly I understood when we were in possession of the football very quickly I had to think defen- my defensive uh, head had to kick in so when we had the ball I was always thinking if we turn this ball over you're always thinking what if yeah what if. at any time if we turn this ball over are we in a decent defensive position can great, we get back great crack of parties are Kenny <laughs> <laughs> well, I, them players are invaluable to have ah, look, I'm not, invaluable. Yeah, we love Kenny ah, cheers Keith good come back yeah, we do <laughs> love Kenny we do. Yeah. Uh, Keith good stuff thanks a million for joining us today uh, more for Keith of course on football kick off this week OTBIM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shaver your money back Neon Night Edition available now we're going to get the view from France in just a moment we'd love your views you can keep giving us your thoughts at Off The Ball AM on Twitter or of course you can leave a comment youtube.com forward slash Off The Ball now a reminder Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off The Ball Braeburn Coffee is coming to an Apple Green near you new Braeburn locations are popping up every month visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn to find your nearest Braeburn Coffee experience Philippe Claire is next first some Stephen Kenny post-match reaction take a look Stephen uh, we can obviously stress a lot of the positives that we saw here tonight and some of the performances how do we now back this up how do we now develop consistency for the games against the Netherlands and Greece when we need to type points in the campaign yeah well we Big challenges in June. Obviously, we've got to go to Greece in in, um, in the middle of summer, in the middle of June, which is a, a challenge. So that's the, the next challenge of back-to-back games, Greece and Gibraltar. So we'll just firmly f- move on and focus on and reflect on on the performance and what we've learned from it over the next few days and prepare accordingly. And obviously, we've extensive preparations in relation to you know we the six-week gap between the end of the championship and the game against Greece. So. Obviously, we, we have a, a four-day training camp at Bristol City in a, a couple of weeks after the season ends. And we're going to Turkey for nine days, prepared for Greece. And you know, we want our preparations have to be have to be exceptional, and we have to make sure we prepare um, really well for the game against Greece, which is a tough game. And um, and Gibraltar here, in, you know, so those six points uh, in June is it. You know, we've got to get ready. It's a tough game, Greece. We've got to get ready for that. All right, we'll talk a bit more about that uh, later on. But I'm delighted to say Philippe Claire is with us to give us the uh, thoughts from somebody with uh, a French tinge. Uh, Philippe, how did France play last night? Um, I thought I, I wasn't that surprised. I was well. I wasn't surprised by the performance of the French team. I was perhaps pleasantly surprised by the performance of the uh, the Ireland team, which I wasn't perhaps expecting to put up such a fight. Um, and I think like most people in France, I was expecting something a bit more complicated than against the Dutch, strangely enough, if we didn't score early, as had been the case against uh, against Holland. And um, I, from a French perspective, if I, first of all, uh, I think you will have noticed that the reactions after the game, be it from Didier Deschamps or uh, Benjamin Pavard or Adrien Rabiot and so forth were extremely complimentary and and they were complimentary in a way that was not condescending by the way it was not the tap of the shoulder well done guys good game thank you very much it was no that was really 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 hard um, now France does struggle against teams which know how to play with a low block and which obviously Ireland did quite well and um, you know which is why when you look at the number of chances if you if you say France shaded it on on the night um, I have to say there is a sense of relief. Um, we're very happy to have Mike Mignon. I can confirm to you that's the case, uh, who was absolutely immense and shows that we've got um, the, the success of Orgulois, but we were not in much doubt of that. Uh, but again, I think, yes, there's a sense in France of a, a certain kind of relief because it was a very, very tough game against a very tough opponent, which I think surprised many 
uh, in the general public. I don't think it surprised people within the French staff. I don't think France turned up with the idea they were going to turn up and win. Uh, I know that they had prepared this game very, uh, very thoroughly, that they had also done loads of uh, video analysis with the players of the very strength of the Irish team. Obviously, as you know, they had spent quite a bit of time studying um, uh, this young gentleman, Mr. Ferguson's game. Uh, Gillian Mbappe had told about, uh, talked about it. I mean, so they, they, they arrived. The thing as well, I think, which... Uh, perhaps should should give people heart in heart, and I'm sure everybody will have been given heart by this performance, is the fact that the French team that struggled against them, certainly at the end of the game, was not the French team that arrived with the idea it's going to be easy. It was not the French team that arrived with their mind already on something else, going back to their clubs, or we've done what mattered against the Dutch. No, they were up. France were really geared towards that game, and they struggled. And um, so, yes, relief, I think, and satisfaction, because six points after those two games, which, you know, is not too bad a situation to be in um, before a, a long international break. What is a real international break, by the way? I've never understood why we called it the international break. Because we play internationals during the international break. But there you go. <laughs> An excellent uh, philosophical point there, Philippe. I would expect nothing less, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but uh, now, that you, now that you point it out, it's obvious. Yeah, a good point. Um, the, the relief at the end when the save gets made, like it's a brilliant, brilliant save. But it's true yeah. that like they all went to celebrate with the keeper immediately afterwards to go, you basically won us the game. Um, yes, absolutely. Which is what uh, Didier Deschamps said. Um, an interesting expression, which when you look, Look at it. You think, oh, that doesn't mean anything. He said he didn't save two points. He gave us three. Mm. Which, of course, is obvious. But you can see what he means there. Because, by the way, he also, uh, this, uh, this could have been a known goal by Jules Kunde, yeah. the header, just yeah. before. Uh, which was already a pretty decent save reaction. But that was, a, it was top drawer for the top corner, really, as they would say. Um, and um, as just as, you know, what, what a debut, by the way, for Mike Mignon as a starter, stops a penalty against the Netherlands at the very end of the game and really saves two points or gives three points to France uh, in Ireland. That's, that's not a bad start for him, for his French career, even if he's had a few caps before. This is really now, um, he's, he's now in place and for a very long time, I would imagine. Were you surprised, Philippe, with uh, Kylian Mbappe's performance? R remarkably quiet by his standards. No, I, I, to be honest, um, I, I was not that surprised. Uh, again, he's somebody who thrives on space, and Ireland were very good at denying that. Uh, he perhaps didn't quite have the support on his natural flank. I don't think Teo Hernandez had a, a great game, to be absolutely honest. And uh, I think... Uh, he might not have known Ogbele's name before the game, but I think he will remember it now. <laughs> um, and I, I think Kylian Mbappe you know, missed that. I also think that the changes which had done by Deschamps actually surprised a few people. Um, you can see why you would uh, decide to, in what you expect to be a more static game, where they're going to be, as I said, a low block and trying to go through the low block, to have somebody who has the aerial presence of Olivier Giroud. Um but that didn't quite work. And the quality of the crossing was not good. Uh, the, the way that the link-up play between, that we had seen against the Dutch between Griezmann and Bappe was not quite happening. And, and Colomweni, by the way, because of his movement, was not happening 
against Ireland. So all of this put together, and I think you can explain, and particularly the lack of space for him to exploit, that, um, you know, he's not Superman. He cannot produce performances like he did against the Dutch every, every single game. Um, so I, I wasn't entirely surprised uh, uh, about that. Um, I don't think that there was much in the French team's performance which was surprising, apart from, of course, Benjamin Pavard's goal, because that's not what I'd seen coming, to mm. be honest. I don't think anybody had seen him coming, including himself. Um, but thank thank you, Benjamin. Um, you actually um, solved a big problem for us with another wonder goal. He only seems to score incredible goals, Pavard, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was obviously everybody remembers um, the one against Argentina at the World Cup, but the one against Sweden in the Nations League wasn't bad enough, bad, bad either. And, and this was was quite spectacular. I think it would be what Didier Deschamps was very, very happy with. It's the finish, we know we've got a great shot on him, but it was the alertness of mind when you realised, OK, there's a chance to intercept that ball very high up the pitch, which honestly is normally not his game. Uh, he's he's more of a defensive uh, fullback. He's a more traditional kind of fullback. And, um, yeah, um, I think that there was actually quite a lot of pleasure for many people to see him uh, score that goal because, as you know, um, he's had a pretty tough time, uh, be it in, at club level or with the national team. He was certainly not a, a, a regular starter. So uh, that's a, a satisfaction. But I think that Ireland actually showed a few areas in which France have got problems. And I think that um, the, the left flank defensively, when you've got, when you've got Kylian Mbappé, uh, who is there when you've got two Hernandez who is a flying left back. Uh, there is, you know, of course, you hope that Rabiot is going to do a bit of the work on the left-hand side, but that leaves us quite exposed. And actually, Ireland were quite good at exposing uh, a, a few frailties, I would say, in the French setup, uh, including, of course, on um, uh, dead ball situations uh, at the end, where honestly, uh, it was not very reassuring, was it? I, I think maybe the, our, our assessment of it is, is ri- like we're obviously uh, riven with all of the insecurities that we have as a football nation and all the weight of history bears down on it so we're half happy with what we did we're also a little bit disappointed that the uh, goal didn't go in at the end and we're desperately seeking some kind of external validation here from you Philippe and you've given us a, it's like yeah actually no you guys weren't bad so because we, we weren't sure if France were just stinking the joint out because they were terrible no no okay no Keep feeding us. No, and I think the, the, and I think the other thing is that the the quality of Aaron's performance showed how awful the Dutch performance was in Paris as well. Uh, the Dutch didn't have any of the cohesion and cohesiveness of of the Irish team. Um, they didn't have any of the fire, uh, which of course people commented upon because, as you will know, um, we are only, especially when it comes to sport. Um, Stereotypes said they were very far away. So even though people had been saying before the game, you know, everybody who had been watching the Irish team uh, over the recent past was saying, you know, it's not quite the old kick and rush, long ball, blah, blah, it's different. Um, uh, people fell back on that <laughs> by saying, oh, well, but with the Irish, you know, uh, you know, there's going to be fire. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic, you know, um, spirit within the side, pushed by the wonderful public and so forth. So we had quite a bit of that. But I think, Ireland earned quite a bit of respect from people who were expecting different uh, things from them. And honestly, that I think that looking at what we've seen in this group so far, it's very open, at least for second place. Wouldn't you agree? 
We hope so. We we like that's the thing. If if Ireland can maintain this level of performance that we put in against France with yeah. with the quality that we showed, then we should be able to cause difficulties for everybody. And we just haven't been great about following up a good performance against a big side with good performances against the the medium sides and the weaker teams. And so that's our challenge. Mm. Yes. Well, um I can tell you that if you were to play the Netherlands tomorrow, which unfortunately you're not playing, mm. Um, you might you would give them a, a proper game, um, but it might not be Mr. Kuman who is in charge. By the time you know you meet up with the Dutch, were they that bad? They were terrible. Yeah, they were awful. They were really awful. I mean, they, their first half was um, uh, absolutely weren't. I mean, an absolutely terrible performance. You didn't recognize. I mean, they had a few players missing, but even then, they were they were not good at all. I have to say, I do not. I haven't watched enough of the Greek team to to have. Uh, to give you major insight into uh, into them, but I think you'll do all right against Gibraltar. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> As we will. <laughs> I mean, you say that, you say that, but we have had our trouble with them in the past. We scraped a one 0 win against them, and it required a world class, uh, Magnon esque save to uh, to beat them one 0 Go on, yeah, Kenny. Sorry, Philippe. Could I ask you just on a, a slightly different yes. point? Is there any? Um, Seems an odd thing to say. And he added pressure on the shoulders of uh, Didier Deschamps going into this qualifying campaign off the back of the World Cup victory in 2018. Mm. Just just the exit uh, in England and in the manner against Switzerland. Obviously, they lost to Argentina. I know they made it to a yep. World Cup final. But the pool of talent, Philippe, that's available to him. This is an outstanding French and has been for quite some time in terms of the quality which Deschamps has available to, uh, to him. Is there amongst the French football and public more of an expectation that he needs to go and win another major championship with a squad of this undoubted talent? I, I think that the uh, the almost expectation is there, obviously. But I would say that, um, first of all, um, that World Cup did a lot of good to Deschamps' credit in his home country. There were loads of people before the tournament who were expecting uh, a difficult uh, World Cup uh, because of the... Uh, Injuries. I mean, there were 13 players missing at one point just before the, the tournament started. Uh, also because of the quality of the performances, which hadn't been great. Uh, an absolutely catastrophic Nations League, as you will remember. And in fact, France surprised us all during the tournament by not just by the performances, but all by, by the results, but also by the performances and the way they played. So in a way, going to the final was a little bit unexpected for from a French perspective, I think. Mm. And then when it came to the qualifiers, where you score, I think it's the ideal start to the qualification campaign. Two minutes in, an absolutely superb movement with Griezmann getting the ball, passing on the ball. I mean, there's a lovely interaction between Mouani and Mbappe. Mbappe crosses back, Griezmann, unbalanced, beautiful first-time shot in the corner after two minutes play against the, the Netherlands. So... I can tell you that that certainly lifted the pressure and the performance against the um, uh, the Dutch lifted the pressure and the performance against the Irish would also lift the pressure because it will have shown that France, when confronted with a, a very difficult, more difficult adversary, somebody, a, a team that plays the kind of football which usually creates problem for them because, again, the capacity to play with a low block, the organization and so forth, the denial of space, France actually managed to do that. And we were also expecting, well, what about... France without Hugo Lloris, Stephen Danda and, and Raphael Varane. And the answer is that, well, we've got obviously a phenomenal keeper. We knew that, but we have confirmation. And the Upamecano, um, Konate, 
uh, pairing looks actually very interesting, knowing that there are also quite a few people in the back. You know, William Saliba would probably have played, yeah. um, who's a bit of a class player, and there are quite a, a few others who are, who are missing. Presnel Kimpembe, uh, who's played a number of times for France, was also missing. So it's looking good. And I would say that Didier Deschamps is today in a very, very good place, uh, which for a French manager who's been in place for 10 plus years, that is quite an achievement. Philippe, we've got to leave it there. Congratulations on your victory and thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you. Philippe O'Claire giving us his thoughts there and uh, the French view, which is relatively positive about our performance last night. John Duggan is with us. John, good morning to you. You were at the game? Jar Shane and Kenny, how are you all doing? <laughs> yeah, I was at the game. Uh, I was at the press conference afterwards. Uh, Stephen Kenny was played a straight bash. Uh, wasn't exaggerating what happened. Uh, wasn't defensive. I thought that was quite refreshing from him. And just said it as it was. I thought a lot of positives to take thought we did well uh, I felt that the fans are really behind the team and are behind the team um, I don't think it is in sync with the analysis I saw in Virgin for example and look I love Brian Kerr and Damon Delaney I think they're amazing analysts and they're friends of the show but I think what I, what I saw at the game was we played as well as we could um, the, the issue obviously we have is that with only four wins and 22 competitive matches we need to back it up now we need to be able to develop consistency over the campaign to be able to take points off the Greeks and the Dutch and where the goal is going to come from in that regard and that's the only maybe concern I would have but really Lionhearted performances Coleman, Malumbi I thought was really really good Ogbené and uh, there was a clear plan um, and look you know France are a team that are penalty shoot out away from winning two World Cups in a row so uh, we have to remember that. Good atmosphere on the ground, John? Ah, yeah, it was great. Really, really great from the get-go. They didn't play the put them under pressure stuff, which I thought was good, because I think that's 33 years ago and we need to move on. But it was an <laughs> electric atmosphere uh, before the game. And then in the last 10 minutes, yeah, everybody was really, really behind the team. You just want, you just need a bit of consistency, a bit of momentum. I think like the small bone will be important now when we get into the other games in the group. But um, they, they died in their shield, as it were, if that's the, the phrase. I feel like there's a, there's a bench there like you know there's a little bit of strength and depth I know we're, again we're saying that the championship and league one players but you still feel like there are some solid options in that Irish squad <coughs> yeah it's like it's a great leveller international football in a way as you know yourself Kenny but it's just the goals where are the goals going to come from mm. uh, are you going to be able to score goals and look I, I just like it's one of those things we just got caught by a world class team for the goal it was, it was a mistake by Josh Cullen and these things can happen but it's just it's can we get out of a situation where it's two steps forward, one step back, as has been the case? Uh, after the Armenia game in September, I said that the could had gone out of Irish football in that I don't see any kind of hope or path where things could happen, whereas under Jack, under your, your team's Kenny, there was always a sense that something could happen. And I felt that that could return last night, which was really good. That's positive. Yeah, that's a fair synopsis, John. Yeah. But I think I think that's a but that's that's going to be the argument going forward. Where where are the goals going to come from? So that's that's where the discussion is going to be, isn't it? Yeah. That's there. The manager's got to find the solution there. And that is that going to come from literally just just personnel alone in terms of oh, if Adam Oida had played in, in in place of Evan Ferguson last night, would the goals have come? No, I don't think so. So that's where the discussion has to be a little bit more broader. And that's that's a challenge facing the players and the coaching staff in terms of uh, the tactical setup of the team and personnel, all of those things, just in terms of finding the right balance. Uh, in relation to the challenge which is facing us and every different challenge is different uh, France can last you, night Greece you, and Gibraltar all present different challenges is, is there uh, like 
John's talking about the the code, right? For me, one of the codes is, and I keep going back to this, obviously, but that the team is becoming more experienced collectively, that you're seeing players like Nathan Collins grow into international football and that we haven't imposed our will on inferior opposition. We've allowed them to dictate possession. And actually, as they get more confident in what they're being asked to do and what the game plan is in their right to be playing international football that they'll begin to assert more their influence on the game do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying I think that's partly the case but I didn't think we didn't have enough possession but we didn't create a, a lack of chances last night because there was a lack of I'm not talking about chronic, France uh, uh, sorry I'm talking about the games like it, the, the yeah, Greece game and the Armenia yeah, game generally speaking that helps but of course what will help with that more than anything else winning games of football in terms of belief, uh, uh, belief collective belief that's catch 22 you know. isn't it yeah, that, that, yeah so how are we going to get so that's, that's what I'm saying that's the interesting thing you saw in the, how are we going to get uh, to that point where you know we're, we're producing a level consistency performance which actually translates into results so that's kind of the conversation we're having and I'll have my opinion in terms of what I saw last night I liked what I saw last night but that can't be the way forward for me in terms of kind of uh, our setup last night from a technical point of view I think we'll have to uh, tweak with that uh, slightly for the for the, for the the Greece game and the uh, Gibraltar game uh, coming up in terms of uh, creating more chances and scoring goals so that's that's the interest it hasn't got to be a certain way like a kind of dogmatic kind of real kind of rigid structured approach for every single uh, single game you have to be kind of flexible and a little bit fluid in terms of how you approach each game I think we have flat flexibility within the personnel and I think th- there is depth now well, like I think we have we, we've spoken about that in terms of the midfield the balance of midfield small ball comes in more of a creative edge uh, Mikey Johnson coming in up front different type of player the ball playing uh, strengths of Seamus Coleman Adam Amobamadieli uh, across the defensive line can they come in and give us like a different dynamic across more of a ball playing defensive coming injury, out we've got Callum O'Dowd on the left we can now play yeah. Play Doherty on the left, no problems. We can play uh, Coleman at right wing back. We can play Doherty at right wing back. We, yeah. we, we have uh, Callum Robinson come back in as a. Yeah, so, somebody. Th- so they're the options, but ultimately for each game, you've got to, you've got to get it right. You've got to make the uh, the right decisions in terms of personnel, in terms of tactical setup. For me, yeah. that's the you know that's that's the that's the core. That's the core of it. That's what's kind of driving it. They're the kind of fundamentals, the kind of building blocks that I'm talking about. Okay, John. Uh, Antonio Conte is gone <laughs> we knew that was going to happen <laughs> Nagelsmann they're, they're speaking to obviously he's available now because the, the first domino to fall was him being sacked by Bayern and Tuchel straight in so Tuchel obviously good appointment who, who Tuchel to Bayern or Nagelsmann Tuchel Tuchel's going to great appointment will Tuchel, Tuchel be the appointment. first short term manager to win two Champions yes. Leagues yeah, yeah. like be, and then and then he should just drop the mic and go look I've seen how this finishes Tire. Handshakes all round. Yeah. Uh, look, it could be Nagelsmann, Deserby, Brendan Rodgers, Arna Sloat, uh, Luis Enrique. It doesn't matter who it's, who it's going to be because the regime there uh, is there 22 years and they're brilliant business people. Daniel Levy, Joe Lewis, amazing business people, amazing stadium. Don't know how to run the football product, in my opinion. Um, fantastic business people. And look, the club has gone through a, a period under Pochettino where it's been at its most successful since the 60s. So you could argue in favour of them in that regard. But this will be the 12th permanent manager, one trophy in 22 years, one League Cup to show for their for their efforts. And it's not good enough. And like as long as Daniel Levy and Joe Lewis are running the football product in the way they have with poor recruitment and a revolving door of managers, nothing's going to change. But what, oh, so you'd lay all of that at Levy's door. So in terms of no, recruitment, no, no. in terms of the Patricio who's been brought in and 
Uh, and surely, Dan, you're not suggesting Daniel Levy is responsible for the recruitment of all the players that have come in. It's well, he's, 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 he's the chairman, so he, he didn't. They didn't. He doesn't uh, pick the. He, no, but he's he, not picking the individual players. Eighteen so. months where I know they were building the stadium. There's eighteen months when Pochettino was pleading and begging yeah. for investment when they didn't do that. Right. And then they sacked him four months after he brought the club like Tottenham to a Champions League right. final. So since Pochettino was gone, where, where has been the fall? In, on a levy? I, I, Are you talking I, I, about I, I, money available? Well, I think the money's been spent. Like, there's been a lot of money in Richardson. So ha- right, so he has given, Levy has given yeah, money. Yeah, he has. And like Antonio... Where's the fault Le- then? His... Like Levy didn't put out the team against Sheffield United yeah. in the FA Cup that were disastrous. This is point, yeah. So yeah. I think there's lots of things like Conte has to blame and I think Conte's style maybe I may have graded it on the players. Um, but uh, like the players need to take responsibility right. as well. I think there's a load of things, but ultimately it seems that the recruitment or like the last good guy that they seem to have in terms of recruitment was Paul Mitchell, mm. who worked with Pochettino and they were able to get really good signings into the club. Not every signing you get is going to work, but I'm just feeling it's a revolving door of managers. And whatever about Jose and Conte maybe being yesterday's men in football, they're, they're proven winners of trophies and they couldn't make it work at Spurs. So uh, I don't think it, going back to Pochettino is the answer. But look, maybe they'll get investment from Qatar. Maybe they'll get investment now to, to build up the wage structure to be the equivalent of other clubs. Because otherwise, you're, like, you're a sixth or seventh uh, place team. And I, I, I think like things like the FA Cup, the League Cup, these things actually now matter. You saw for Manchester United how much it mattered for them, even winning the League Cup. So like to, to, to go out against Sheffield United was no, not on the, chairman's, uh, on, on the chairman's watch, but like ultimately it's 22 years of one trophy. When you look at how successful Arsenal have been this season, Arsenal were eighth two seasons in a row. We were way ahead of Arsenal two to three years ago. Now we're way behind them. And how has that happened? Yeah, but Arsenal haven't gone about it and gone and spent, got the league players in and played the best wages um, um, in the in the world, they, they've gone about it a different way. So I think it's remarkable uh, what Arsenal uh, have done. Yeah, I'm just interested in the Levy one. I take your point in terms of Pochettino. There's an argument there that he should have been back. The money should have been found when they were playing at the level where they take him to that kind of next level. But kind of since then, in terms of the managers that you've come in, you wouldn't say as if oh, he hasn't gone and got some of the should have gone and got a top manager. When you talk the likes of Marina in particular and even Conte, who's come in, I think a fair amount of chunk money has become available in relation to where sports are John I don't think any sports sports expecting sports paying 300 grand a week for the top elite players to come in a massive uh, so, uh, signing on fees I, I'm not sure if you can put that in Levy's door are you, are you saying that he needs to go and find they need to go and find that money as, I, think as need simple to, as that. I, I think they need to find investment but I think they also need to be able to find if you don't have the wage structure you need to be able to find a deserve type of figure and people around them in the recruitment area like the, the, the CEO of Brighton's Spurs fan hmm. you know like Brighton are the example of a club that if you had that model a little bit above that at Tottenham level, yeah. then you could really punch above the weight. Because I'm not seeing Arsenal, how many, like, uh, I'm not seeing when you're talking about Arsenal Football Club, about 11, where, oh my God, that's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. You're seeing a massive collective, Jesus, Sinchenko, Partey, Xhaka, who's now a revelation, on, like Aaron Ramsdale, these types of players. So if Arteta and Arsenal can do it, why can't Spurs do it? All right. We'll come back to this because obviously uh, they will appoint somebody, or maybe they won't. Maybe there won't be anybody appointed until the summertime. And this Nagel's been stuff is just to keep the pot boiling and say, "Oh, look, we're doing." Stellini's there now until the end of the season. So yeah, yeah, I, I, that's th- a strange one. Him, Conte's number two staying on. Do you think? Surprising. Well, because he obviously did quite well. He beat Chelsea, beat City. You know, do you think this is true? Or if Nagel's been, if they decide Nagel's been the man, they'll just get him in. 
No, I think they'll, they'll probably have a summer appointment. All right. Whoever it's going to be. John, good stuff. More of course, on Saturday afternoon on Off the Ball on News Talk. It is three minutes past nine this morning. OTBAM is live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave of your money back. Neon Night edition available now. Now, I'm delighted to say Cora Staunton is with us, who is now a former AFLW player. Cora, good morning to you. How are you? Hi, boys. How are things? I'm good. How is retirement sitting with you now that it's been made public? Uh, yeah, it's fine. I suppose as, as you well know now, I've, I made the announcement, um, or not the announcement yesterday, but I just made the decision um, before I left Australia um, at Christmas time. So yeah, it's kind of set well with me for a while now. So um, yeah, I'm probably just a little bit overwhelmed by um, all of the messages and calls and you know uh, social media messages that I've kind of got over the last kind of 24 hours. But yeah, no, it's it's sitting well with me. Um, surely, um, as I said, I had my mind made up quite a long time ago, so I've had time to process it. Did you know this was going to be your last season heading into it? No, I didn't know heading into it. Um, I suppose when the season was over, um, yeah, I kind of knew by by, by that. Um, I suppose our club over there is just going in a little bit of a different direction with the appointment of a new coach last year, which was obviously a little bit different. Um, I had the same coach for the, the five years previous to that. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, the, the club are really gone back into a rebuilding phase and, um, you know, bringing in a lot of youth and stuff like that. So, you know, while they wanted me to stay on and probably, you know, um, help nurture that youth, um, I knew probably the chances of, you know, um, a premiership title um, were, were probably a little bit further away and, you know, I wasn't going to be in that um, long-term um, window to, 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 to try and win it. So, um, yeah, I felt I kind of had give everything at that stage. And, um, yeah, I was just happy, um, you know, to make my decision um, and not probably have to come home at Christmas time and being worried about having to get back training again in January. So, yeah, that, that element of it, is, it has certainly been nice where I'm not, not out having to train and push myself really hard, um, you know, five, six, seven nights a week. And was there ever any thoughts about joining another team who might be potential contenders? Uh, I suppose I had contact from um, from one or two teams surely um, that obviously had got wind. Um, you know, most people didn't know that I was retiring, but I obviously had got wind. However, they did. So I did have a couple of conversations. Um, you know, maybe five, six weeks ago with them. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much. Um, I'm very loyal to wherever I've come from. You know, obviously Mayo, Carnicon. Um, you know, and the Giants was was like that as well. You know, I knew if I was going to go to another club, it was probably just going to be for probably another year and you know um unless you know i i knew i was probably going to go and, and you know you know get the the best out of myself i probably just wanted to stay a one club club player which you know i'm glad i did it allows you time now core i guess to reflect on the on, on the five years and and, <clears throat> and the achievements you've had down in australia um and like when you went over in 2018 you were the first like there's a lot of irish uh, players women female players over there now which is amazing to see but you were the leader in that regard <clears throat> that regard so was that was that a pressure that that's that you sat lightly with that you took that you were able to kind of deal with, I guess, because when you're the first one in anything, it's difficult. Was well, at the time, you know, life was very hectic at the time. I suppose I went straight over. We had competition in All Ireland final with Mayo, lost that to Dublin, and then I um, we went on a really good club run. Um, I went out to Australia in the middle of the club run for a trial, um, and then we went on to win the club All Ireland that year. And you know, I flew to Australia. <laughs> two days after that. So it was very much a whirlwind. You know, I didn't really have time to think about it because my all my energies were in either May or Carnicon. And I suppose, yeah, when I went out there the first first month, yeah, certainly I was like, yeah, this is this is this is going to be tough. Like I'm going to have to give it my all. And yeah, I suppose then over the last number of years and, and particularly probably in the last two years, the, the amount of attention it's got, um, you know, on TV here and 
I suppose um, the first year I went out there, I had a documentary crew follow me and that was showed. And I suppose the interest kind of grew from there. The girls could see, you know, what, what life was really like out there. And obviously it was being shown on TV over here. So, yeah, it, it's just crazy. Um, even this morning reading, I think there's three Tipperary girls that have just two gone to Geelong and one gone to North Melbourne. Um, the numbers are just going to be huge now. You know, I, I'd imagine by the end of the um, the draft day, which is the 4th of April, that the numbers will be um, circling in the 30-plus um, girls that will play in the league next year. And that being said, then, you know, in the club competition over there, there's girls moving over there to try and get an opportunity. I, I think in the VFL over there, there's probably about 15 girls playing it. So, yeah, it's, it's huge. And I suppose, yeah, from when I was there the first year, to see that the num- amount of numbers now that are coming out and the amount of contact I get from girls, from their parents... You know, as young as kind of 16, 17, wanting to know how can they, um, you know, basically get there? What do they need to do when they're, you know, the, the, the draft age of 18 or when they're finished school? How can they get out there? And, you know, it was only last week I met a, a mom and her daughter and, and, you know, we spoke through what she might need to do to get there. If there was any doubt on uh, how physical the sport is down in Australia, like we've seen you with a few shiners over the years, uh, no doubt. And <clears throat> I think I remember you saying in one of your columns, or maybe it was on air with ourselves on a Saturday panel at one stage, that you've been told that you play your best footy when you're when you're pissed off. But I, I'm sure that's something that you kind of ch- channel into such a physical sport. You kind of need to be up and on edge for every single game. Yeah, it is a very physical sport. And I suppose, yeah, I, I suppose that's, you know, people do, it's only when you try and reflect and people ask, you know, what, how are you motivated? And um, yeah, I suppose that when I look back, that's probably the most way I've been motivated throughout my career is, you know, when people doubt you and, you know, probably say that you're, you know, you're not up to something. And I suppose that came with me and my leg break a couple of years ago. People, you know, doubted at 37 and a quadruple leg break that you were probably, you know, going to retire and not come back to the sport. And, yeah, I, I, that that kind of people pissed me off around that, and that was really my motivation just to come back and, and you know show the mountains possible. And you know I was lucky enough I came back from that injury very well, and you know played three seasons after that. So yeah, you do you need to be really open about it. it is a it is a very physically demanding game. You know I often do watch the rugby players here and, and see on how they get up on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning after a big game and. You know that's how you you kind of feel, and and again, it's all it's all position based over there. There's sometimes there's some positions there that you're probably not going to get as hard hitting, but yeah, there's certain positions. And when I was there, I loved the physicality. Um, yeah, probably can probably spend more time. Um, you know, getting scans and stuff. Come home probably with five, you know, five or six different breaks. But yeah, no, the body is still good and and, and held up for the time that I was out there. It's amazing, like a quadruple leg break is. I know, you, you did a piece with Andy Lee a couple of years ago where you kind of went into detail on it, it's just phenomenal. Um, I, like, what was it that pissed you off that people were saying that helped to drive the motivation? Yeah, I, I suppose it was just a couple of people, you know, I suppose this was a very early days, I was probably in hospital at the time and, and kind of my first couple of days back at the club, so it would have been probably, I'd say, maybe I haven't even two weeks done at this stage and people were like, oh no, you know, they'd obviously all seen the x-rays and stuff and, you know, the x-ray I think filtered around the whole medical team in both the men's and women's side of the club and they're like, no, sports people don't come back from this. It's very rare and, and if they do, they're young. Um, I suppose, yeah, just a couple of comments, um, you know, from high up people in the Giants at the time. They know who they are because, you know, I've spoken to them since and they were, they were very much like, oh no, just look after your health and, you know, it's going to be very difficult to come back from this and it's it's okay if you don't and it's okay if you retire and just comments, small little comments and, and at times the comments, I was probably making them more out of them than, than not. Um, 
And, you know, I, I you know, I slagged my coach, who, who was my coach there for a long time. He made a comment on the way home after a, a two-week appointment that I had after getting my stitches out that, oh, I, I was just saying thanks, you know, for organising the surgeon and how good he was. And he was like, oh, we'll see how good he was, you know, in October, November. And, you know, that was probably seven, eight months post-surgery. And I was like, I know how good he was. I'll be back. So it was that kind of just small things I needed to take. I needed to have that little bit of motivation and drive because when you're in rehab um, on your own six times a week, four or five hours a day, you need something to, you know, push you, when the, especially when the days are hard and they're challenging. And, you know, the days that I was probably learning how to walk again and learning how to hop or whatever it might be, they're challenging and you need some some little bit of um, extra driver in you. And I suppose, you know, I probably took them from them comments. Are you uh, going to take up golf to fulfil the... <laughs> what are you going to do now to, to match that? I've never actually played golf, but a little bit of tiny bit of pitch and push. And if you see me playing that, I'm I'm quite bad at it. I, I I'm not a patient person at all, so I can't imagine the game of golf would suit me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll tip away playing a bit of club football. You know, um, obviously I'm involved with Galway Camogie at the moment, and I suppose that's an area I went into. Um, you know, in December time. You know, I got a phone call from Carl Murray wondering would I come in and I met him and, you know, I just didn't know if that was something. I was like, I don't really know anything about Camogie. You know, I said, I don't know any of your players or anything like that. And he was like, no, come in and, and see. And, you know, I've been in there for the last kind of three and a half months and I'm absolutely loving it. The longer I'm there, the more, I, more, more I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm working with, you know, 35 girls and, and you know, it's a great experience and doing every bit, everything in Anthem with them from a little bit of coaching up with our forward group from individual work with the team, um, you know, to supporting Cahill and, and the rest of the backroom team. So I'm really enjoying that, like, um, buzz. And, you know, we were down in Porky Cueve, um on Sunday and we had to beat Cork to get into a league final. And, yeah, I'm I'm the, you know, the one that's getting really into it, jumping up and down and on the sideline, you know, when we get our one-point victory. So... Yeah, I feel that's replacing it a little bit at the moment. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I suppose club football will replace it for now. Um, but I am really enjoying not having to, uh, you know, do them the extra training sessions. I was never the most um, aerobically built person, so I had to train hard to keep fit all the time. And yeah, I suppose I'm not missing that, having to push myself maybe at eight or nine o'clock at night to go out and, and, and do a running program and do that five or six times a week. So. Well, I'm certainly training in a way. I'm, I'm, I don't have to go to that um, really dark place when you train that you have to go to. And is the door closed on Intercounty? Oh, yeah, that door closed long ago. God, I'm retired from Intercounty now. <laughs> um, probably, what, I've gone into five or six seasons at this stage, yeah. No, I, I, you know, as I said, I play club football and, you know, I haven't really, while I've played a little bit with them over the past few years, I haven't given, you know, enough to them because I've obviously been away Um so yeah, I'm you know just looking forward to playing a little bit of that, um, you know, and as I said, doing work with um, with Gog Camogie, you know, I'm you know I'm training with them, you know, in in every training session with them three or four four times in, in the week. So yeah, I'm kept busy with that, and, and obviously doing the punditry work as well. So um, yeah, there's there's other there's other bits coming down the line, but yeah, you know, between AFL, Gaelic football, and and everything, um, you know, I suppose I've you know, my body and my mind has probably given a lot to it over the last oh, two two or two or three decades. And geez, I don't want to say three decades, but probably three decades yeah, at this stage. Was the plan always to to be in Australia for for that duration of time, Cor? Like, would you describe yourself as a as a home bird? Did you did you like coming home? Did you miss Ireland, or, or were you quite happy down there? Oh, you know what? It was it was so funny, Shane. Um, every time I went out, so every year I went out. I, when I went out first, I thought I was only going for one season. But every year I went out, 
I found it really hard to leave home. And then every time I had to come home, you know, or, you know, come back for, for club season or the season was done down there, I found it very hard to leave Australia. So I had mixed emotions going, every, you know, either direction. Um, no, I'll certainly, um, I, I'm probably more of a home bird. I always see myself settle at home, but that's not to say, um, you know, I will um, take a, a couple of visits. I'll, I'll try and get out to Australia at least once um, every year, if not 18 months, certainly. I have a lot of good friends out there. Um, you know, I, I, I really love the game, you know, hoping maybe to do a little bit with the AFL down the line as well. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it is a sport. I still watch it now. You know, the main season just started two weeks ago and, yeah, I'm the one up in the middle of the night watching, you know, the Giants play or whatever and, and other games, you know, that the Irish guys are involved. You know, I watched Conor McKinnon in his first two games of Brisbane 9. So, um, yeah, Dara Joyce, you know, obviously debuted for them at the weekend. So I, I'm still, you know, I'm still really interested in the game and how it works and stuff. And, you know, I have massive contacts over there. So, yeah, I'll be based at home, but certainly I like to get out over and back to Australia at least once a year if I can. I'm sure you're back in perfect time to see Mayo win the All-Ireland this year. It's worked out well. Yeah, I'm back in proper time for Mayo to win the All Ireland now. If I could get out to see um, the Ireland women in the World Cup, that's my own. That's my only regret that um, you know I, I retired probably a year too soon. Um, <laughs> the the Irish women played their their first um, first game in you know a stadium that's walking distance from where we train in Sydney Olympic Park. So I've been in the stadium many times. So. Yeah, that's that's probably the only disappointment that yeah, if I could have gone out to watch them certainly play, um, because as I said, when the Irish come out there, I've watched the Irish rugby sevens numerous times when they've been out there. It's it's um, it's uh, it's you know it's so good and to see Ireland women against Australia in a packed ANZ as it used to be known stadium that can you know hold up to ninety thousand. It's it's going to be something. But yeah, um, as I said, I hope to get back and over to Australia as, as often as I can. Cora, it's an absolutely incredible Irish sporting life. Congratulations on uh, putting together multiple brilliant careers that are, would have been Hall of Fame in, in one sport, let alone two or uh, even three if you include the club. So congratulations. Brilliant having you on this morning. and Thanks a million for joining us. No bother, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. That's uh, the absolute legend, Cora Staunton there, who's retired from the AFLW. OTBAM live with Gillette Labs. Got the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night edition available now. You're about the same age. Kenny, why aren't you still playing? <laughs> I was a re- I really enjoyed the interview actually to be honest with you. Um I, I enjoyed how, uh, how supportive she was of the other Irish uh, athletes. Mm. She referenced a couple of the uh, the male players over still over in Australia and even the Irish uh, women's team there. That's 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 nice to say. I think that's good. You know, not all, not all about herself but you know, bigger picture and other Irish athletes in Irish sports. So yeah, amazing achievements. I just know of her uh, from a distance and yeah it'd be interesting how do you fill that void different yeah. for everybody it uh, is yeah. you know what I mean it's amazing obviously you're still playing a bit of club football Galway come out a bit of media all of that kind of stuff but it's amazing for other people it's like can't wait to get away no, yeah, no yeah. players that was you yeah. mm. no five aside not playing any five aside no I'm not talking about me I'm, I'm, I'm talking asking about, you though I'm talking any? about nothing I'm uh, <laughs> training I'm talking about training I'm yeah, you talking, I'm talking about serious conversation we're going to make it into a joke now we want to make it into a bit of a joke no is that where you want to go alright love to play five aside with Kenny actually it's on my book. The list. level, Cora, even her training there, she strikes with that type of person, you know, Focused. high intensity. I know the kind of sport she's in, you, you can't get away from that, like, no. you know what I mean? All right, but it's difficult, the body. Oh, you don't want to talk. Why didn't you no, just say you don't go, want to talk go, about we it? Then? Go. We won't. Briefly, it was brief. Oh, you know. brief. You yeah. wanted a brief, did you, Roy? I didn't do brief. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> Kenny, thanks very much for being with us today. Oh, I'm gone. Yeah. Get yeah. down now. Uh, here's some highlights on the OTB Podcast Network for you today. The Football Pods. 
Coy Gig, the latest episode, and uh, the Irish Player Reaction Pod to last night as well. You can get them all wherever you get your podcast. But the best place, of course, is the Off the Ball app. Uh, here's more from Stephen Kennedy reacting to the results. We're back after these. Cheers. You're listening to OTB AM. Uh, right, it's difficult enough for us to um, sift through some of our live comments and bring you a sample of what people have been saying to us this morning about the non-football story of the last 24 hours. Uh, so by now, many of you will have seen that Kelly Harrington did an interview yesterday with Shane as part of a press call for a campaign. Uh, it's fair to say it's gone viral and there's been a big response. We're trying to sift through that response and um, talk to you about it. I do want to read the... Uh, statement that Kelly Harrington issued late last night. I, I don't know what time exactly it was issued at, and um, I have some screen grabs here of it, so hopefully I've got the whole thing. Uh, it says, Last October, I reposted a tweet of a video from a journalist whom I did not know at the time, detailing the story of a young girl in France who was kidnapped and murdered. Moved by the horrific circumstance of this story, I reposted a video of this journalist together with a copy of a quote. My thoughts in that moment were of that young girl and not any political opinion. This was uh, 11.07 last night. Having realised the significance of my tweet and the hurt caused to a number of people, I immediately deleted the tweet. I engaged privately with a number of people who were hurt by my tweet and apologised to them. As a sporting role model, I am aware that I need to be mindful of what I do and say. I reacted with my emotions and without the facts. How this came across is not reflective of me as a person or my thoughts. I did an interview today during which I was caught off guard. I was not prepared for a question unrelated to sport and my response to the question asked was not definitive. I do not want to engage in politically sensitive matters. What I want to make clear is throughout my life in both uh, throughout my life both in boxing and outside boxing I've been lucky enough to have had many multicultural influences and this continues to shape me to this day. This is something that shapes me as the person I am today and something I'm very grateful for. The people closest to me will attest to this. Since that interview, I've seen some comments that I feel I should address and make my feelings and thoughts clear. As a sportswoman, I'm proud to say I'm all about community, inclusion and diversity. Um, so, do we want to just... Yeah, that was what... It, it, like the... Um it, the, the reaction was quite insane. I don't know if we expected it to, to go like that. And look, those interviews are difficult at the best of times. Um, and and look, I've seen you see some comments. Look, I did turn the you turn the notifications on your phone off, of course, when, when something like that happens. But like you're seeing some comments, like oh, you're you're asking a sports person a political question. But my take, and, and some people will agree, some people won't, is that if a sports person puts up a post on social media then that that is up for questioning and uh, I guess the, the purpose of my question was to see where she stood on it now and that was that was it and she had an opportunity at that point to to either explain her views or to retract them or somewhere in the middle I didn't nowhere care what, what direction it was going to head in from there but um, yeah things certainly got a little a little tense I think it's fair to say yeah, so we're going to play you the full interview now and um, we might have a quick chat off the back of it. So there's about 12 minutes of the interview. Um, most of you will have seen the full interview, which was on our YouTube yesterday from yesterday afternoon. We put a, a shorter bit up on Twitter, but here is the uh, full interview. She was obviously an ambassador for SPAR. I think that has become clear in the last uh, 24 hours or so. So here's the interview. We'll talk about it on the other side. 
Okay, well, the SPAR ambassador and Olympic gold medalist Kelly Harrington has been speaking at the launch of the €60,000 SPAR 60th Community Fund. SPAR retailers are proud to have served their communities across Ireland for the past 60 years, and this new initiative will see SPAR invest €60,000 back into local communities to drive positive change and impact. Through the SPAR 60th Community Fund, six local community clubs, groups or programmes will be rewarded with €10,000 each, along with the chance to meet Olympic champion Kelly Harrington and take her on in a fun series of challenges. For more information and to be in with a chance to win, visit www.spar.ie. Kelly Harrington joins us on the line now this morning as well. Kelly, good morning. How are things? How's it going? All good, all good. How are you? Keeping well, keeping well. Thanks for, for, for joining us. Um, I guess boxing is, is at the forefront of a lot of our conversations at the moment. There's, pl- there's plenty of action uh, ongoing. There's plenty of action upcoming. Uh, a big fight in the three, three arena in Dublin coming up in May as well with, with Katie Taylor. It, it, it kind of uh, brings up the question, I know that the, the question of professionalism with yourself is often mooted. Do you have any regrets? Are you happy with the decision to stay in the amateur game? Or how, how do you sit with the, with the, with the whole situation at the moment? Um, no, no regrets, absolutely none. And I'm still the same. <laughs> I I wouldn't go professional if I was paid. Um I've no interest in it whatsoever. Um I think it's it's great. Like I like watching well actually I don't really follow it either a whole lot, but I like watching I'm a bandwagoner. When the big fights are on, I watch the big fights. Um and that's enough for me. That's that's enough for me. I don't need to be in there. You've already you've always said that, and I think you've been very steadfast in those beliefs. Like you've said, I remember the last time you were on. I think you were saying, "I want to have a bit of a life." And you know what? At mid thirties or whatever age you decide to hang up the gloves, that would be you done and dusted. So I guess at least you have the focus, and you've always known, kind of, I guess, what way you wanted your career to pan out. Yeah, exactly. Like people did be saying to me, like, "Oh, what about then after the Olympics? Would you do two years and?" You know, you could be, you could become a world champion in professional boxing within a year or two, and I'm like, no, absolutely not. Like, and like for it might like for ten seconds be like, oh my god, that good, and then I'm like, nah, nah, no, no way, no. I've I've put enough in like over the years now. Like I'm half my life uh, boxing basically, and. So that means I'm half my life getting punched in the head. So I've enough of that. Uh, I will have had enough of it after the Olympics if I qualify for the Olympics. And that's enough to do me. 100%. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> we wish you all the best in that qualification process. The the, the big questions around Olympic Olympics and boxing in the Olympics generally, Kelly, of the last while have been whether or not even by 2028 we'll have boxing as part of the Olympic Games. So the, it's not currently on the initial programme for Los Angeles um, in, in five years' time. So boxing and lightweight rowing as well, I mean, two sports for, which we happen to excel at, um, ruled out of the LA Games. It, it, what do you make of all this? Because I guess from, from our perspective, from a greedy Irish perspective, it's bad news. Well, it's not really greedy. It's, it's, a, it's two sports that were absolutely like brilliant uh, um, so it's not greedy if you take something away like that would be absolutely crazy um, so everyone's right to be up in arms over it but for me personally I haven't really even thought about it because I'm too busy thinking about myself and that's too I know that's selfish but that's what you got to do to to get to where you want to be you know um, while I'm sitting here I have absolutely no idea about what's going on in the background but in my head, I'm like, 
the Olympics will be in Paris, uh, in uh, LA in 2028. Um, I can't see them, uh, not the Olympics boxing. I can't see them taking boxing out of the Olympics. Like something will happen, something will change and it will, it will be a good change, hopefully. And boxing will be in LA in 2028. And all those uh, people who are coming through behind me will get that chance to try and qualify uh, to represent our beautiful nation in LA in 2028. It's fascinating because different sports people in, in different sports as well you know, either take a, a front foot in when it comes to issues like that, Rory McIlroy being one example of someone who's spoken up on the live tour situation. But then, just as respectably, you have golfers who, who take a backseat and just want to concentrate on the sport itself. Are you more of that frame of mind that you just want to concentrate on yourself, the ring and the politics and everything else outside of it is just irrelevant? Well... Kind of, for me, it is irrelevant because no matter what I say or no matter what I do, like, it will fall on their ears and it is out of my control. So I'm in the game long enough now and I'm old enough now to understand that I can only control what I can control and all of that is out of my control. So there's no point in me stressing over that and causing myself like stress and upset and to be anxious and worried, which may impact my training regime and my performances um, when I have absolutely zero say. I, I watched the, uh, you've probably seen it, the brilliant film North Circular uh, recently enough, um, which kind of tells the whole story of Portland Row and, and, and that part of the, the city and the beautiful stories that emanate from that part of the city as well. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've managed to see it. I know your, your uh, homecoming parade, for example, f- formed a fairly crucial part of the film towards the back end. Have you, have you managed to watch it? I haven't. Uh, I haven't had time to get in to see it. But me, Matt, and Dad were in, and they seen it, and they said it was absolutely amazing. They loved it. Now they saw, thought it was really great. It, and and I've heard so many good things from people who have been there uh, to see it, and it's it's amazing. Like it, it just shows from from the top end to the bottom end. You know, like a, a really great journey, and it's I believe it's great. And I'll, hopefully, I will get to see it. Do you follow stories like that of Barry Keown, for example? Who I mean, I, I guess, and that, that was the the story that we all followed around the Oscars time how he can come from from essentially nothing to to being super famous and super talented above all else at what he does yeah well it's not that I follow a story or anything I know very personally mm. so I know what like I I know what he comes from where he comes from um, and I'm just proud of him as a person and you know as someone who has got up off the backside and who has chased their dream, who has wanted to, you know, become something for themselves. And I admire that. And he is an inspiration to not just his community, because people, you often hear when people do well in their communities and say they're an inspiration to their community, they're an inspiration to this and that. He's an inspiration to absolutely everybody, not just his community, to everybody in Ireland and all over the world. Will will you? Um, uh, I, I touched on the fight earlier, uh, the Katie Taylor fight that's happening next month with uh, Chantal Cameron. But will you watch? Is that a fight you'll you'll watch? Do you play pay close attention to the game and to, and to Katie's progression at the moment? Um, yeah, I've, I've watched all Katie's fights. Um, she's fantastic, and I've watched them all. Um, and I will watch this one as well. I think it'll be a great fight. Um, 
But personally, I think Katie has way too much. Uh, she's too much in the bag. Like she has a great selection of shots, and her speed will be. I think speed and movement is going to be the key in this fight for. And, and she has like bundles of all of that. You're talking there, uh, Kelly, as well. Where we're kind of discussing the, the 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 idea of role models, and I know this is a probably an area that you've been thrust into because of your your talent and your and your success. And given that, and given all of the diversity as well in in the north inner city now, is something that's cropped up in recent years as well. I know you've had a number of interactions on on, on social media and on Twitter um, that have suggested you've you've strongly held views on on immigration. Um, are those opinions you still feel feel strongly about? I don't, I don't actually, I switched off there when you said diversity in the inner city, there's diversity all over uh, Dublin. <laughs> so I did switch off. So I don't actually know what the rest of the question was there. Sorry. No, just talking about, I know you had a, a, a you know, a couple of interactions on social media, on Twitter in October, where you're you know, we're talking about anti-immigration and there was a, a quote tweet from a GB News tweet where there were links between violence and, and immigration and migrants. And I know on social media, I guess, in your position as a role model, those comments carry weight. So I was just wondering if you have still the same held views on immigration. So I feel right now at the moment that you're trying to hang me out to dry. So uh, for that, I'll say next question. Well, not not at all. I, I, the discussion, I guess, Kelly, just needs to be had. Yeah, that, was a, that, was a, that was a post in October. So I do feel like you are hanging me out to dry, you know, and you know me by now and you know you're going to get the truth off me. And that's exactly the truth as it is, as I'm sitting here now. I feel like you've brought that up to try and bring up a bit of controversy. So. Cer- certainly not. It, it's, it, people will know it's not my style. It's not my style to look for controversy or to quote controversy. I, I genuinely just feel if anyone posts anything on social media or says something in an interview, those are beliefs that are strongly held and thought out. That, that was in October. Like you said, it was in October. Like we're now nearly heading into April. Hi, Shane. Uh, just to put in there, we're, we're probably about five minutes left. If we maybe want to move on to the next one. Yeah, no, it was just, it was, it, it's an no, issue. No, I, I, I totally understand it's a question and you have to ask it and everything, but uh, probably best yeah, it's on. probably best to move on from it. Is, is it not right that we have the discussion I guess Kelly is my point that, that, that is that what you want to waste the time on though do you know what I mean like there's so many other like questions that you could ask me I'm not a politician you know what I mean I'm I'm. but what, why, why is it time wasting I know, like you're as I said at the, the outset you're an ambassador to, to, to young people and to people and these are these are views that some people would, would see as controversial when it comes to immigrants I would argue personally speaking personally that welcoming Im- immigrants into our country can add so much to the culture of of Dublin. That, that's to what Ireland. you would argue. That's what you would argue, and that's fine. But is, that not, I mean? is that not fair? I'm not having that argument with you. I, think I am not. I'm not even like. I'm not even open to the discussion with you. I, 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 best. I think, guys, it's probably best to move on. To be honest, we're here today for for Spar and their media event, which Kelly is an ambassador for. So maybe if we want to pop in another question or two and move on from it. Yeah, and the Spar, the Spar slogan on the, and I read it out at the start was to back local communities to drive positive change and impact. So is that not is it is it not a fair question then to? You're like a dog with a bone. Well, no, no, uh, Kelly. It, it, but the point the point is, you were saying there that you thought you you felt I was hanging you out to dry when when that's completely not the intention of my question. The question is just to bring up a discussion it's on pe- people having views on social media it, it, and backing them up. Right. Here we go, right? If you're not hanging me out to dry, to dry, let it go, move on. 
be be like Elton and just let it go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Don't hold it back anymore. Just let it go and move on. I, 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 I don't. I don't feel. Like, it's my job to ask questions, Kelly. I, I know it's your job, and you've asked, and I've, I've responded, yeah, I and I've told you. Next question, like I'm not. I'm not here to to answer those questions. You know what I mean? Like I'm not here to talk about politics. Like if I wanted to do that, I'd go and I'd do a degree in politics. In, in politics, but no. But you put you put like, you put these views forward on social media. Does that not allow them open October, to the question? I, I think she in Kelly, Kelly has said that she she doesn't really want to talk about it. So it probably is best. Maybe I appreciate. I don't know what agenda you have, Shane. But oh, it's not a good one. So. Certainly don't have an agenda. Certainly don't have an right. agenda. I just wanted to ask. Over and out. I'm done. Okay. Well, listen, Kelly, appreciate your time anyway, regardless. Uh, Irish Olympian Kelly Harrington there. Join us on the line um, to have a discussion, and uh, clearly they wanted to, to end that discussion there. But uh, yeah, that's all to BM, and we'll, we'll be back shortly. Uh, yeah, so we're back, we're back instantaneously. We obviously recorded that yesterday um, around about 10 o'clock, and um, yep. it's been quite a 24 hours. Um, obviously, the, the match took precedence uh, in terms of the show this morning. I do feel like we probably can have many sane rational conversations off the back of some of the issues that came up on this um, like some people are arguing that uh, sports people have no responsibility some people are arguing that because you're a community ambassador and the the role that you're being paid for in that instance is to be a community ambassador then it's fair enough to have conversations around things like you know uh, are people not entitled to have opinions absolutely people are entitled to have opinions was one of the things that came back to us but if you have an opinion you're also entitled to be asked about it Mm. it's not like you can have an opinion and then uh, you know that's it you you don't get to speak about it ever again afterwards yeah it's the notion and look Kelly was speaking as as we said as a SPAR ambassador in a paid role um, and you probably heard the voice in the background and that, as we said, it's kind of opening the kimono a little bit for some people because a lot of these interviews that uh, have a, an ambassador an ambassador promoting a product or a company, um, there'll often be a public relations person, spokesperson, kind of in the background and you never you never hear from them or hear of them. Um, certainly you, don't, you usually don't hear them interjecting in an interview, but clearly yesterday... Maybe Spar weren't happy with the the, the direction the interview was taking, um, but uh, as, as we've said, sports people can be held accountable to, to you know, and that's why I asked the question. I, 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 Kelly could have said whatever she wanted, you know. It's it's a, it's a free world, and and her response was her response. Um, I mean, the response to it since has been <clears throat> has been quite extraordinary, to be honest. Uh, like I've got I've so many messages myself, even about it from people. Um, which, which I'll try and get back to today but it was just like Kelly of course and, and I referenced it in the interview as well like a couple of times she referenced that I was you know like a dog with a bone um, that I had an agenda that I was looking for controversy um, and, and I said this in the interview but I'll reiterate it again that is absolutely not my style anyone who knows me um, and there's probably a lot of people watching who, who know me, friends, family and colleagues as well know that that's not my style Okay, and to, to be honest though the, the people who don't know you are coming across you for the first time so yeah. like, you, you, know, you, you need to talk to them as much as you, mm. the people who you can't rely on just uh, the word of mouth of the people who know you but certainly there's been um, your track record does not suggest that you're uh, looking for salations except when it comes to Park Chi Sung of course and, uh, but you know we all make mistakes or Monaghan yeah yeah absolutely so it, it, it was one of those things that I think 
that that needed to be addressed and that's that's one thing I certainly wanted to, to kind of hammer home again this morning maybe. and if you've just joined us we did read out Kelly Harrington's statement which she issued late last night at around about uh, 10 past 11 you can check that out on her social media at Kelly64KG uh, right that is your lot for today make sure you subscribe to uh, all of our social channels um, tomorrow's show you had to be there with uh, oh no, sorry. We're going to leave you now with the classic You Had to Be There from former Republic of Ireland manager Sue Rodham. We've got a brilliant one coming your way tomorrow. Uh, Thursday. Uh, that's Thursday. Tomorrow's what? Tomorrow's only Tuesday. I know, what it's not, a, isn't it? Why? That's not, that's not fair. What a week. What a week. Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Today's Tuesday. That's mad. <laughs> we have lost many, many days in the last 24 hours. Uh, sometimes nothing happens in uh, a lifetime and then a lot happens in 24 hours. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy whatever's next. Good luck. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.